This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Freest Van listeners, and welcome to episode 92 of Radio Freest Van, a Horus Heresy 30K podcast. My name's Michael. I've got my co-host Derek here. Go and say what's going on, Derek. What's going on, everybody? And I also have my co-host, powerful, powerful Ryan Kimmel. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. What's happening, everybody? We're not changing the name of our podcast. It's staying the same. RFI, boys. Still going. Still going strong. Y'all know who it is. We are missing powerful Scott in this uh, in this episode, so he's with us in spirit. I feel him. I feel his hilarity and his fear of bears. It stays healthy within this group. None of us plan on going hiking with honey anywhere in an open container, so uh, the fear of bears and being raped by deer is fresh in the minds of this group. So, Scott, we learn from your mistakes. The, the deer thing wasn't fresh in my mind until you said that. Well, good. Good. Keep, stay healthy, because as soon as you stop thinking about it, it happens. It's a so, lot of pressure. So anyway, fellas, episode 92. So we've got the special, the 8th the Legion special. The fighting 8th. The fighting 8th. The Night Lords. So this is the Night Lords episode, everybody. And if you haven't listened to our previous episodes with legion specific uh our legion specific episodes it goes like this we do our hobby progress where we talk about you know how we've been working we skip our normal voicemail listening which is an awesome part so we're going to skip that this episode and we're going to go straight into night lords we're going to talk about some lore we're going to talk about some ways of ways to play night lords then we're going to talk about their legion specific units we're going to talk about their legion specific war gear we're going to talk about there are rights of war, and then we're going to talk about some rights of war that seem like they'd be pretty good for them, but not Legion-specific rights of war. We're just going to kind of give you a general idea of how to play Night Lords. So if you're listening to this, and there's a possibility, and I, and I can't tell you how much it's warmed my heart to see people who are like, hey, I started out at the Imperial Fist episode because I started playing Imperial Fist, and now I'm a regular listener. If you're one of those people congratulations welcome welcome to rfi there's plenty more where this came from and on top of that you get to listen to, like cool voicemails and stuff that we usually do which have like bear stories and like uh what else like industrial accidents industrial accidents poop stories people Shit pooping stories themselves. yeah yep. man so it's a good time this episode we're not gonna have it. we're just gonna go straight into legion but if you're a brand new listener who's like i feel like playing night lords at 30k let me go ahead and check out this resource Go check out our other episodes. Uh, episode 90 is probably one of my favorite. Oh, wait, no. Episode 90 is an Imperial Fist episode. 91. Nope. No, nope, 90. Go back to 90. 91's the list episode. Yeah. List apocalypse episode. They're all good. Just go back, check them out. They're a good time. So, next episode, we're going to go back to our normal run to where we're going to do normal voicemails. We're going to do normal list, everything like that. And then following that episode, we will have the Blood Angels episode. So that'll be 94. Get ready for that. 
Uh, if you have questions on Blood Angels, start sending them in now. That's going to be Michael at Warhammer30k.com, Ryan at Warhammer30k.com, and Derek at Warhammer30k.com. Start sending those questions in. You can call our voicemail. Scott. We'll to... Oh, and Scott at Warhammer30k.com. Sorry, I forgot. He's still here in spirit. Scott at Warhammer30k.com. <laughs> but if you want to send us a question about blood angels you can shoot that to our voicemail 209 rfi 30k0 we'll listen to that next week and we'll address it during the blood angels episode so i was not know here about blood angels. yeah ryan's not a blood angels fan or player so i'll try to i'll try to carry it it's all right derek will have to carry the episode so but that's not why we're here we're here to talk about the good old-fashioned night lords but first let's get some hobby progress out of the way Derek, what have you been working on? Well, this past week, uh, some of our longtime listeners might uh, remember me being super sick for a pretty good chunk of episodes. Dying, yeah. Yeah, all that shit hit me last week and completely floored me for about two days. I don't know where it came from, and I don't know where it went. I'm better now. Still a little congested, but uh, that I spent most of this past week just kind of lying in a dark room i know where it came from there's some homeless guys walking around with extra bounce in their step that's all i'm saying (laughs) they're busy eating tropical fish (laughs) (laughs) don't want to scare any listeners away (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so i did get some work on uh basing i'd uh based up that leviathan and i was super impressed with how it came out so i'm trying to kind of replicate that with some of my infantry uh just need to mat some of these guys back down. I had them glossed up to apply some sweet, sweet transfers, some decals. And uh, once I get those matted back down, I should have some pictures to post up. Also been, actually, topical, been working on some Night Lords for an Escalation League we're going to be starting here in a couple weeks. He sure is. Sure is working on them Night Lords. Using the 40K. The Chaos Raptors. Chaos Raptors. The Craptors. You know, you really did, like, like I know you're probably thinking out there, listeners, like, you know, Derek's working on Night Lords, he's using the 40k Night Lords. A lot of people said it was, like, super chaosy, but you really did tone them down by trimming off a lot of that. Yeah, just trim off, like, arrows. Uh, a lot of the trim is a little much on the... I'm mostly just using the legs and the jump packs. The jump packs are the same mark as the ones for the uh, 30k Night Raptors. So... They look a lot. They look really similar. They have like teeth coming out of some of the jets, so I'm trying to like file those down and make it look better. Price wise, like it does it make sense to buy the 40k Raptors over the Forge World Raptors? Or well, considering how much like Mark IV stuff I'm toning them down with, and I'm just running them as regular assault marines, not like Night Raptors. But and we'll talk about more on that later. But uh. Price-wise, I'm not sure. I really haven't compared. So you could be in the in the red right now. There's a possibility you're in the red. <laughs> like Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. That's okay. But I just think it looks cool. I like the like more brutal-looking chain swords because Night Lords are totally all about that. Like They have trophies of judgment or whatever where they have like got heads on pikes. So they're, they're very much already down like the Chaos Road as far as... should have like, got my buddy nick on here to talk about fear and things that cause fear so we could listen to him rant for an hour on how bad fear is and how it never works 
It's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. He's played he's played Night Lord since like they've come out since almost the beginning of Heresy, and I think he said the other day he literally went back through his memory. He's got a really good memory, like me, and he says it's worked four times in the history of him playing games, and he plays you know as many games as I do. He, he he's one of the more active players here. So he's played nice. hundreds of games, and it's worked four times. Four whole times? Oh, okay. I thought, okay. So you're talking about the rule fear. I thought you were actually, like, talking about, like, he's some, like, psychological warfare, like, no. fucking No, he's monitor. talking about the rule fear. <laughs> okay. Which so is, like, it's damn. one of those things, it's, we'll talk about it more when we get there, but it's it's one of those things that GW, as, like, as a whole, like, as their rules team, it started in 40K, but it's kind of... Also, because it was that way in 40K, I feel like it's just been brought over into 30K. It needs to be reevaluated. You're massively overvaluing it. It's like crack missiles. Or not crack missiles, flak missiles. How many people have lost flyers to flak missiles ever <laughs> in the history of flak missiles? Virtually no one. Like It's not like <laughs> I've ever heard my friends like, oh, man, you should have seen these flak missiles. Like That shit should just be free, Games Workshop. <laughs> They're not doing anything. I've never went, oh my god, he's got flat missiles. Well, I, I've been like, I got a Storm Eagle. Like, <laughs> fucking shit ain't doing nothing to this thing. They go pew pew, and they fucking bounce off. Don't do anything. Like, fireworks, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're just marking you. Is I all mean, they're doing. A, a full five-man heavy support squad with flak missiles is worse than a fucking quad gun on an Aegis line. <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> Ouch. I mean, it's just like... Anyway, sorry. We'll talk about that more about... Well, the fear, not the Flackmas thing. But anyway, I was just getting it. There are certain upgrades and yeah. stuff that for... Like, since fucking, like, 4th or 5th edition, every time something new comes out, it just continues to be, like, they just, like... I'm like, what are you, what are you guys doing for playtesting over there? Like, is there just, like... One guy that, like, has, like, got the luckiest dice ever when it comes to flak missiles, and it's like... Or, like, the first time you tried them, somebody, like, lost a fucking, like, something crazy happened and somebody rolled, like, 36s in a row <laughs> and killed okay, a fucking Thunderhawk okay, with that? some flak missiles. That had to have been that person's first game with that Stormbird. Because yeah. you know when it's your first game with a fancy new model, you pop it on the table and something just instantly negates it. <laughs> I think I bought flak missiles. Yeah, I did. Yeah, okay, cool. I'll fire them at that uh, Stormbird. And it went down. I mean, the at least side. in Heresy, like the only unit with flak missiles that actually will do something, if you have a full fucking strength 10-man squad and you somehow give them tank hunter, that's formidable. But if you got like, you know, here's my five flak missiles on this unit and they're just flak, like they don't have tank hunter, they don't, whatever. I mean, you can get fucked with that. I am not scared of that. Just not. <laughs> Ryan's like, I'm not even gonna shoot at that with my Avenger. I'm gonna shoot at someone else. <laughs> yeah, I just ignore that shit. Like, whatever, cool, flak missile up, bro. I ain't doing nothing. So, <laughs> off the topic on flak missiles and fear and how much it all sucks. What have you been working on, Ryan? A uh, train for Adepticon. Um, my wife actually, it was pretty funny. So my buddy, Chris and Nick, the guy I was just talking about night Lords, uh, they came over on Friday. So what was that? Three days ago and helped me paint terrain. I've been working on it all week up to then. And then I came over and helped some, we've been painting all the little rocks on the secret weapon miniature tiles. And I have like, 
I don't even know how many tiles I have. I didn't count them. It's in the 30s or 40s of these one-by-one one tiles, and they all have a million little gray rocks on them. And so I painted the roads black, painted the sidewalks light gray, and I'm painting all the rocks dark gray. And I'd already done that 4 by 4 board that I've already worked on, and now I'm doing like 30, 40 more tiles. So they came over and helped. And I've probably done well over half myself because they came over later and helped, but they did help quite a bit. My wife helped me last night and did like two or three. And she looked at me and she went, this was the most soul-crushing thing <laughs> I've done in a long time. I'm like, yeah. It fucking sucks. It's so not this fun. This is destroying our marriage, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking awful. She's right. It sucks. It sucks really bad. So, been painting terrain. Uh, I went and scheduled my U-Haul trailer to get everything up to um, the Depticon. So, I went and bought my... I My truck has a full tow package on it, but it's fairly new. And I've not bought... I didn't buy, like, the tongue and the trailer ball and all that shit yet. So, I went and did that today. Um... So, and then I went and scheduled the, the U-Haul trailer and took measurements on it so I know how much we can fit in there and all that shit. Uh, some of my Blue Forge terrain came in. The first little bit of that trickled in. Uh, so I started priming that. So just mainly just working on terrain. Right now, like at, literally as we're recording, I'm building um, two contemptors because I'm taking the CK painting or CK Studios painting class this weekend nice. in Michigan and Emily's going with me. So I'm building, uh, her and my contemptor to paint. So she's decided she's going to paint Emperor's children. So she's doing an Emperor's children dreadnought and I'm doing uh Raven guard. So I'm doing a Raven guard. No, that is fucking legit, dude. We have that coming to San Antonio, April 14th that I am I'm definitely signing up for. Like that's happening. Like, I just saw it today, just saw them announce it, and I was like, yep, that's fucking going. I'm going to that. So Check my calendar right quick. It's April 14th and 15th, two days in San Antonio. So Today. that's why um, That's why I'm basically building these dreadnoughts, and that's why I was talking to you last week about getting those Raven Guard decals from you, is for my dreadnought. They didn't... I don't know if they said to bring decals i'm not sure whatever but i mean i'm gonna take them anyway if they do teach that i mean i i'm pretty good at decals already from mka but you never know i mean they may have one little step in there that makes it even better i don't know that's the thing about taking these different painting classes everybody has their own different styles and shows you different things um because i've already been to the ck ones uh at Nova, but they were like miniature classes. They weren't like the full 16-hour class. They were just like two-hour classes. Yeah. Um, and I learned stuff there, and then I went and did MKA, and then I learned different ways to do some of those, and I've kind of picked and chose. There were some things that I liked the way CK Studios did better. There were some things I liked the way MKA did better. So it's like I can now mix and match and go, well, I like this part of this or this. And then sometimes it's not even necessarily that they're better or worse. It's just they're different techniques. So it's like if I want this look, this p happens to work better. If I want this look, this happens to look, work better. But it's it's not it's more of like a style thing, if that makes any sense. No, dude, absolutely. I can't wait till like uh, the end of this year. Because, like, this is going to be, like, my, my renaissance year. This is my painting renaissance year 
like I'll be, I think I'm taking four classes at Adepticon. I'm gonna take that CK Studios class, and then I have the Cult of Paint class in uh, at Heresy Camp. So like it's gonna be like I'm gonna be like a whole new painter. I'm gonna be able to I'm gonna be able to roll with the big boys, man. All those fucking Brits and Aussies out there just getting all the MKA love. So. I feel like they're all ahead of us. Like I feel like they're all <laughs> ahead of us because they all got their class. And Ryan had to go sneak fucking like Black Widow style into the heart of Great Britain's rail system to go take that MKA class to come bring back. Even Almost the didn't smallest. make it out. Yeah. <laughs> Almost didn't make it out. I'm, I'm telling you. So this year, man, this year, like I'm afraid, like I'm working on these dark angels right now and I'm like, okay, I can do these dark angels. Like this is going to be like easy because I, I get a relatively easy idea of how to paint this black. Uh, I, I, I looked at uh, Douglas's uh, dark angels kind of like he gave me some help on that. I got some tips from little legend. So like they gave me an idea of how to paint the black and all that stuff. Powerful miles, bless your heart. If you're uh, looking for awesome paint tips and all that, go be a patron of Miles over at Little Legend Studios. He's great and uh, definitely gives you tips on the back end. But, man, by the end of this year, I'm going to be able to start, like, any little colorful legion I want. I'm going to be able to do it right. Start those Imperial Fists. Fuck no. (laughs) Considering converting Emily's Dreadnought to have a spear, like an Emperor's Children's Spear. Not that it'll, it'll just count as a power fist, but giving it a cool spear to be Emperor's Children. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think you should. That'd be nice. Is that that's the one from the Blood Angels? Uh, the Blood Angels? Yeah. It, it's short, though, so I'll probably cut the half to make it like twice as long, where it actually looks like a spear for Contemptor. Are you going to probably just have the... it in one? Oh, okay. You're talking probably, about... Probably have a power fist, like where it's holding it like a spear, maybe like holding it like back kind of behind it and down and then pointing the other hand with its gun in it. Almost like the Eldar Farseer, the little Eldar... Well, anyway. There's an Eldar Farseer with a spear back with his hand out, like, casting a spell. But yeah. do that with, like, the... That I always, might be cool. I always like the idea of, like, the magnetic launched spear. Like, the... Like, you know how the Blood Angels kit comes with that little holster for the for the spear? Oh, yeah, for the uh, Librarian Dreadnought? Yeah, just like the uh, Lancer. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't see a problem with putting that on there instead of it. I, I've never been a fan of like power fist holding weapons, but I mean, I think you'll make it look cool. Yeah, I might do that just for something different. It's not, she's never going to play with it. It's just something she's just going to paint to look neat. A so. look dope. She's, she's trying to learn how to paint Dark Age miniatures. She could give a shit about 30K or 40K, but she does. she's doing shadow cast and Dark Age, which have a lot of purple on them. So that's why she's doing Emperor's Children. Makes sense. Only makes sense. But anyway, a... yeah, that's my kind of drug that out there. That's my hobby prairie. I took some pictures of my, my Death Guard had been done for a while, but I hadn't like taken pictures. So I set them up and took some army pictures of them. And then, like I said, been working on nothing but terrain, building these dreadnoughts. And then we, uh, Emily's wanting to get chickens this year. So we went chicken shopping, looking at different, there's like a million different <laughs> types of chickens and chicken coops, so we're trying to do research on that. We didn't come home with any yet, but I think that's going to happen here soon. So we're doing chicken research. So. You gotta you gotta peat-proof the fucking uh, <laughs> the, the, the chicken coop, man. Oh, that's yeah. gonna be, that's, that's gonna, gonna be step one. Yeah. 
Yeah, he gets in there, it'll be just straight murder. <laughs> Pete's Ryan's uh, murderous cat, who's amazingly nice to people until you get in his like no-no zone, that little tummy area. You gotta stay away from that. But otherwise, with with animals smaller than him, he or food. bigger, he he <laughs> killed a rabbit. I don't know how big it was because it was in pieces, but its leg. I mean, it looked like a fucking turkey drumstick you get from the fair, and it was just a leg, and then its head with no ears and no eyes. It was just a rabbit head with its eyes and ear. Like ears were gone, eyes were out, but it still had all the fur and stuff on it. So it was just the head, decapitated head, no ears and eyes. And an entire leg, like a, it looked Punch. like a like a fucking <laughs> leg, just like a fucking the whole hip and it, like the whole furry leg, just laying on the porch. And so it was huge, did, like as a big. He Conrad cursed the, the he bunny. Ate the rest. <laughs> I don't know what he did. And then the one time I went out there, I, I've told this story on here before. Where I was walking up the sidewalk and smelt something, and looked back behind the bush, and he had three rabbits stacked like fucking logs. Like he just like found a serial killer hiding spot and it was just storing bodies. They were just dead. Jeffrey like, Dahmer. Just... <laughs> 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 and then his favorite water, thing man. to do is to find toads in the summer, and he eats their legs off. He doesn't kill them; he just eats their legs off, so they're still alive with their legs eaten off. And then he leaves them out on the sidewalk with no back legs, so they're just front legs and torsos, kind of halfway moving, flipped over, drying out in the sun with their belly up. With no legs, because that's like the worst way to go ever in the history of ways to go. Just to have, <laughs> like have some big. Imagine a furry monster that would be like t- t- in scale to a person would be like roughly the size of your house, just pinning you down, eating your legs off while you're still alive, and then just leaving you, just leaving you, you to dry out, leaving you on your back to dry out in the in sun. In the middle of a hot Texas parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. God, pizza cool cat. <laughs> you better you better watch out for them chickens though. Shit, Pete's a badass. He, Pete's gonna think that you brought him chickens. <laughs> oh, you need to even get with those, his uh... gimp hand. Even with his gimp hand, he's fine. He did something to his paw a long time ago, and his hit like it it broke and almost pulled one claw. Like I think he got hung, like because he, he lives in the barn. He splits time between the barn across the street and my house, and I think he. You know, his claw got hung in something or whatever, and it fucked his paw up pretty bad. But it healed up, but it's like, it looks weird. I've seen, <laughs> I sent you a picture of it. Yeah. I was going to say, man, you need to get them big, giant fucking foghorn leghorn chickens. But Pete might just start riding them like a palico on a, on a, the, the uh, a chocobo. <laughs> But, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, just still working on terrain. I, I haven't even really been keeping track of how much time is till Adepticon. I'm, I'm, once these tiles are done, everything else is easy. Like, I just got a bunch of, uh, oh, oh, a bunch of ruins. Like this stuff. Yeah. And this stuff literally just spray paint gray and then wash with known oil and then dry brush it. And then I'll probably do the floors after I do all that. I'll do the floors like a dark red or a dark green just to give them a little bit of contrast. And that's it. So you can do one of these, like do the whole piece in like, you know, half hour. Get this That's letting it dry. So I got several pieces like this where I can just, you know, get through them. And I plan on 
forcing my game club because I only got, like I said, there's two guys to come help me last time. I'm just going to tell them, look, we're going to have a game night. You guys are going to come. Everybody has to paint two of these before you can fucking play any games or eat any food. <laughs> so it's what it is. You show up. I'll sign you your two ruins. Here's the paints. You fucking paint two ruins, and then you can do what you want. But until you get the two ruins, that's the price of entry. It's the cover charge, motherfuckers. So just get it done. <laughs> Whatever. And we have like, you know, fucking 20 people that play here. So if everybody did two ruins, we could get them all done in a night. It only take one night. Everybody could chip in and do it. I've done 98.5% of all the terrain you see in this basement was me by myself grinding it out. Year after year, hour after hour, I'm just fucking, I'm so over painting terrain. I just, I, I've painted more terrain than any one person that I know, and I'm fucking tired of it. I and don't at need a to do higher standard than most people paint terrain as well. Like, what you think, you think you painted good terrain, listener. Like, you think that you've got this badass terrain that you took your time on. Nah, dude, your terrain's crap. Go look at one of Ryan's junk piles and immediately feel like shit about yourself because he painted every piece of junk individually, and it's 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 hard to look at. Like it's it's like some it's some Warhammer World shit. Actually, I don't even think the people at Warhammer World paint rocks, individual rocks. But I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so once these tiles are done, the city tiles I knew was going to be the longest thing. I got all the city tiles, all three different shades of gray are done on them, and I'm starting to do the Nolan Oil wash on all of them because all the tiles need washed. I think I got eight or nine of them done then run out of Nolan Oil. So I got after work tomorrow, I'm going to go straight to the hobby shop and get some more Nolan Oil. Um, and then all that's left on them is do the dry brushing after the wash and then pick out like the, the grates, the road grates or whatever where they look rusty. The desert tiles I have won't take as long. I literally just spray paint them three different shades of sand color where they kind of look a little, you know, like just yeah. different colors. And then I wash them in seraphim sepia and then dry brush them one last dust color and then paint all the rocks like a red brown. Once again, painting the rocks will fucking just suck. It's soul crushing. But there's only six of those tiles that are like horrendously bad. They have like the dried out creek bed with all the rocks in the bottom and there's yep. like a million rocks um i've already done a bunch because i already did i think a four by eight tables worth of those before and now i have another six by four tables worth of them so i got six more of those dried out riverbed tiles <laughs> to do i'm not so looking forward wild. to so much work so many rocks I'm just glad because I was going to have to do all this for the Michigan GT at the end of the year. So the one thing about taking on this Adepticon thing is I'm going to get the Michigan GT. I don't have to worry about it. Like it's not all the way. In, it's all the way in October and I'll be done with all the terrain for it. You know, before Adepticon, I don't have to fucking worry about it other than make some objective markers, which is that won't take very long. Well, badass, dude. At least some good's coming out of it. Getting it all done now. And we're all going to yep. get badass terrain at the badass event you're going to be throwing at Adepticon. Ascendancy to Ruin. Eric Ness came up with that name, I believe. Yeah. Bless his It's a good name. So, guess ball's in my court now, man. I've been working on some Dark Angels, man. Uh, 
got all my Dark Angels deckled up. Uh, all my little vets. I have five vets, and I have my uh, Delegatus. Uh, last week in it, where I said I wanted to run, uh, well, I am running a five-man heavy support squad of heavy bolters with uh, molecular acid rounds. Uh, you told me throw in a librarian, and then I reworked my list out and found that if I drop the vet squad, I can put a just normal tactical squad in there. I can fit eight vets in there, and I was like, man, I could just like fully max out, like see, like get a whole bunch of vets in there, or I could drop three vets. Like I was trying to like fat, like focus in ways to get myself uh three, like get myself a tactical squad, a heavy support squad, a delegatus and a librarian under 500 points. I just couldn't make it work out. But in the process, I was so excited about getting all those heavy bolters and a giant heavy boltered squad that I scoured the local, uh, Victoria Warhammer Facebook page and found uh, Paul powerful Paul listening right now. Thank you, sir. He had some heavy bolters, uh, from his Prospero box that he was willing to give up. And so I gathered those all up from him. But in the process, like in that interim, I had ordered some of the, like a squad. Is he like of, me? Does he have a bag called useless weapons that'll never be used full of sniper <laughs> rifles and heavy bolters? <laughs> no, he has a, uh, a whole apartment full of Warhammer stuff. He's got a cool apartment that's like just loaded down with like a Warhammer desk that just has bits on bits on bits on bits. And he's like, yeah, they're right here. And he's organized, too. So it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably right there. But anyway, so I got that. But before I got that, I had already ordered off of eBay a squad of uh, of heavy bolter wielding dudes. And they came in after I built some new, like, let me just explain that I did build five more guys to add to my heavy bolter support squad. So now altogether I have 10 dudes straight up with heavy bolters for some fucking reason in the future. Two of them in Mark V armor, the rest in Mark III. They look dope. Uh, but in, in the process, I ordered these five guys with the uh, shoulder-mounted heavy bolters. You know which ones I'm talking about? Where they got They're this su- going on? Super, uh, super ugly. <laughs> super fucking ugly, yeah. <laughs> like, in my head, I was like, ooh, they'll be fucking... Like, you, the only way to get them, it looks like now, is to order the Legion heavy weapon set, which comes with, like, five... Where you five... get the, the missile launcher and the... Yeah. and the last cannon. The and missile launcher... The... The... Yeah, you get like a mix of weapons. It's not. Yeah, yeah, you get a mix of weapons. But anyway, this guy on eBay. You need just some so more of those shoulder ones. I have them in my bag of useless weapons. I got three <laughs> or four of those shoulder ones. No, I do not, dude. I got them in, put one guy together, and no matter what pose I put him in, he looked like total fucking trash. Like it just, like nothing I put together. And I had five of these dudes. Like, do you have them here? Because yeah. I always thought that those looked pretty cool, but I've never actually, like, had one. I think somewhere I've got one of the old, like, metal ones from, like, the old 40K ones. There you go. All right. Let's see. This. Let me get a look at this Warlock. I mean, it's not awful, but there's not much you can do with that pose. <laughs> like, like, the fist is probably my, like, most hated part of that. Is he's just, like. his, like, counterbalance fist. He's just got his fist pointed straight down. Like he's got a poop. It's my jack in hand. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, a heavy bolter is pretty big, dude. You got to make sure you don't fall over. Honestly, for all you listeners out there, it looks like he's got a ghetto blaster. 
and he's <laughs> like, I might like. Where's that conversion for the cacophony? <laughs> <laughs> big boom boxes over one shoulder. Yeah, I thought I was like, man, I was like, I'll put him in Mark Three. Mark Three looked hideous, and then I broke it off and put him. I made the my Mark Three holding it, and then I was like, I'll put him in Mark Five. Mark Five might look good, and it still looks pretty trashy. I, I don't know. Looks, the I, looks of that model matches its rules. <laughs> Phosphex rounds, man. Phosphex. If I can just somehow manage to get him to move, I don't know. I realize. Oh, it's you trash. mean the acid rounds? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, acid rounds. Yeah. I'm sorry, molecular acid rounds. Yeah. But yeah, I worked on those. Uh, got decals put on my boys. Uh, if you remember correctly, I have them on. Um, dead marine bases that i cast up so i even put decals on the dead dark angels they're standing on so i have dark angels standing on dead dark angels and i even put dark angels decals on the shoulders of the dead dark angels so that was fun because i had to cut some up because some only have like half a shoulder patch showing and stuff um and then pretty big announcement to all you listeners out there we had our heresy camp counselor call in. So with that, we planned out all the events that were going to go down at heresy camp. And I'm fucking super excited about it. Cause it's like a full schedule nonstop. We scheduled everything out for the five days of the camp. And we know what events are exactly going on. We know who's going to be running events. We know what responsibilities are dished out. Like if you, for you, for those of you that are coming to the camp, at no point at the camp should you have nothing to do. That's how packed the schedule is. Unless you choose. Are. Unless you choose. Unless you choose not to do anything, which is totally cool because there you can play pickup games the entire time. But from the way we did it from 8 to 2, like 8 in the morning till 2 o'clock in the afternoon, is just hobby time. Like, we have events going on that are just strictly hobby. We also have some on, on the first days of both of the uh, both of the check-in days, which will be that Wednesday, and then we'll also be that Friday because we have, we have five-day campers and we have three-day campers. Uh, powerful, powerful Evan is running a Centurion game in the morning so you can come in and get your, like, knock the, knock the rust off, you know? Just come in, play some 2K Centurion, get it going but after that man once that two o'clock hour hits it's just straight up gaming after that every day has an event planned and every day has back-to-back classes planned for hobby in the morning it's gonna be wild it's wild i'm so glad we and all this is free everything's free folks you you well once you get in the event all this shit's free except for the cold of paint class that's the only thing we're charging for so if you can make it there you pay the cover charge, your room and board's taken care of, your food's taken care of, and any event that you want to sign up for to your heart's content is taken care of. Resin casting class. Uh, powerful. Uh, actually, Powerful John is running a resin casting class. Uh, the Powerful Fabricator General himself is running a plastic card class. And then Powerful Jamie's running an LED class. That's what I'm most excited for. And he's running them, like all of these are running back-to-back, different days. Uh, as well as the cult of paint class is going to be going on. Like, if you Samson's nothing, doing a class, David it, Samson's teaching a class. David's powerful black label painting is going to be teaching a class. Like, if you came into the hobby knowing absolutely nothing about Warhammer, you could leave like 
oh, like a pro painting level, like straight up. Like I feel like this is like a kickstart into kicking ass with the hobby. So if you're just now, like if you're a Night Lord player, like a brand new Night Lord player <laughs> trying to come in, like learn some shit. If you heresy camp, just heresy camp. Well, and I know like because we're we're normally like fully painted or fuck off like type of people and we definitely want everybody to paint their shit. It, but we've had a lot of new people that feel intimidated. Like, Oh, well my stuff won't be painted and all that. Here's the thing. I wouldn't like, we're going to have so many low point events like the Centurion or like my zone mortalis event or whatever. To me, there's really, you're getting from now until September. So if you want to come, there's no excuse to not get a thousand points painted to do like a zone mortalis force. That being said, you're going to be able to play pickup games just randomly. So even if you have 3,000 points, if your shit's not painted or whatever, people are, I mean, it's not a big deal just to play some pickup games or whatever if your shit's not. I mean, we obviously everybody would prefer to play against painted stuff, but don't feel like intimidated or scared if you're brand new and just getting into it and you want to come, but you're like, oh, I don't want to come because I can't get all that painted or whatever. Just paint a little bit and play that stuff in the smaller events. And then for pickup games, I'm, there's people not going to have any problem playing its unpainted stuff, understanding that you're a new player. Yeah, absolutely, man. And there will be smaller events going on throughout the time. Like, I'm going to be hosting an event that you bring a 1,000 points to and get your ass handed to you. That's that's the game. That's it. That's the point of the game right there. But it's just a 1,000 points. That's all you need. 1,000 points versus my 5,000. I get to feel like a man for <laughs> for a little bit. But I don't get to recoup my points. That I don't is, get my points back. There's more to it than that. It's not just going to be like <laughs> kicking over people's stuff and acting like a monster. Everybody just bring a couple shield captains and Valdor, and you'll just kill Michael's 5,000 points in one or two go rounds, and that'll be that for that. Okay, me and Derek were talking in the Taco Bell, <laughs> the Taco Bell drive-thru last night about what the best way to take out my fortress would be. And and we we came up with some fun ideas like we like Derek found out that you, okay let me explain what's gonna happen in my event because I'm super excited about my event um, I've already ordered way too many of those little bastion kits but and and I think that I might actually through the show have access to a wall somehow like I was gonna build a wall but I think at this blue, point blue table blue table painting makes a really super badass wall. Well, it, as much as that works, I we we in the Taco Bell parking lot last we, night. We looked at some other walls. We found. And, I looked uh, some other walls. I found a guy who built one for his game store, and I was like, I wonder if he'd let me borrow that. I reached out to him, and it's looking good. And it's probably the best wall that I've ever seen in my life. I'm not gonna say his name or anything like that now because it's not it's set in stone. But I think that I won't have to build any wall, and I'll have probably one of the coolest walls I've ever seen in my life. But anyway, I'm gonna have this wall, right? I'm going to have 5,000 points on the wall and I'm going to, you bring your thousand points of whatever you want and you have to try and take the wall down. It's going to be in three sections. They're going to have 30 whole points a piece. I'm going to have a bunch of Imperial fists on the top of the wall, 5,000 points worth. You bring a thousand points, you do what you can to the wall. And then when you die, which will happen, that's it. You leave the table. You, you, you contributed, but I don't get to reset. I don't get to add more units. I don't get to get my void shields back, anything like that. It's all about killing that wall and just finding the most creative ways to use your 1,000 points. Like Derek found out he could take, what, how many 
points of Cyclops? <laughs> could you? <laughs> could you? I didn't work out the exact number, but as soon as uh, I said the word Cyclops demolition unit, we we realized <laughs> we just started giggling. How much fun that would be to just run a shitload of Cyclops against the wall? Yeah, a uh, I think it was what a Stormbird with the uh, orbital orbital bombardment upgrade is exactly a thousand points. Absolutely. So, yeah, no force organization chart. Just bring your 1,000 points of whatever you want to attack the wall. I'm going to take patches. I'm going to have patches available for everybody that fights that wall. And once it's gone, it's gone. Like, if you didn't get to fight it, that's it. You didn't get to contribute. If somebody showed up with two shield captains in Valdor and destroyed the whole thing in one go around, then, I mean, tough luck, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so that's my event. You'll have a good time, even if you just bring, like, you know, a bunch of flyers, a bunch of st- st- suborbital strike wing to blast the shit out of my wall. You'd be, you'd you can take five Avengers with, <laughs> you can take five Avengers with Krakens and Battle Servitor and all that. That's ten. And still have fi- you, and still have fifty points. Ten Krakens and ten Lascans, all tank yeah. hunter. You'll do some damage. <laughs> you will do. Michael some damage. Michael can shoot at you with flak missiles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll have last cannons. We'll, we'll have last game. That wall's going to be decked out, I'll tell you that much. So, but anyway, that's one event. That's one event of many. Uh, there's going to be an Escalation uh, event there that's going to run from Friday, Saturday. That's going to be starting at uh, starting low at 1,500 points, and then the last event will be at 4,000 points that Saturday. So, oh, I'm sorry, 4,500 points. So, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Big games, big games and little games. And there was also, I think there was some people talking about like running like a table of like a preset battle where the two armies are already on the table. You just show up, grab one and play. Yep. That was going to be yeah. Zach's event. Well, like I said, I I just want to stress that I, like I said, I've heard a lot of new players that are like, oh, I want to come, but you know, they feel intimidated or whatever. They really shouldn't. Like this is honestly a perfect event for a new person because there's going to be tons of hobby classes there where you can fucking jump in and get all that up to speed and there's going to be tons of knowledgeable people there that are more than patient you know to sit down and help you write lists help you with planning purchases out tell you you know what they did wrong as far as like you know maybe they just randomly scatter shot i like this cool model and this cool model and this cool model and you end up with 27 heavy support and one troop choice and you're like well <laughs> fuck i can't play this. like like what to avoid pitfalls you know all that stuff and there's also like I'm going to bring tons of painted armies. So even if you come, if you just have your little thousand point, uh, you know, Night Lord Force painted up to play in the Zone Mortalis event, you want to play a bigger game later, you can borrow my Death Guard. You borrow it, it'll all be there. So if you're a new player and you want to come to this, don't feel intimidated. Definitely sign up. It's going to be a fucking blast. Absolutely, guys. Absolutely. So anyway, so yeah, we had that call this weekend. We're pretty, We're pretty excited about it. Uh, if you're interested, we have a Facebook group called Heresy Camp. Go join that Facebook group and get the latest updates and everything like that. And uh, we'll start pushing more. You'll see a lot of work in progresses here pretty soon from from all of our camp counselors. So we're there to make sure you guys have a good time. So anyway, yeah, that's what I've been working on. Um, nice, some solid progress. <laughs> solid progress. I guess y'all ready to jump into when are this you gonna put the schedule up? When are you going to put the schedule up for the public to see? Uh, probably before the end of next week. I have to reach out to two other people to make sure I get their classes in before I put it up. But 
Okay. Every day is we have the tentative schedule that our counselors can see, but before our next episode, it'll be up. Cool. So, anyway, y'all ready for Eighth Legion talk? I think I'm ready. Ready. Okay. Let me give you guys a breakdown of how this is going to work, especially people who skip to this portion of the episode. So the way this is going to work is we're going to break down some lore. I'm going to go in some lore, which may or may not be accurate. I'm sure somebody will correct me about who gave who the phalanx or something. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it might, it may or may not be accurate lore, but it's going to be cool either way because it's going to. I'm going to tell it like a story. So it's going to rock out. Uh, then we're going to go over the Night Lord special rules. So we're going to go over some some uh, some rules that Night Lords get that every other Legion doesn't get. Then we're going to go over the Night Lords special equipment that they get. So that's going to be specific Night Lords equipment, Nushman Train Glaive, whatever. Then we're going to go into the Night Lords Rite of Wars. So, I'm sorry, the Night Lords special units. So those are going to be units that only Night Lords get. We'll go over that. Then we're going to go into Night Lords Rites of War. And then we'll go over some rights of war of you of that will work well with night lords, but aren't necessarily night lords specific. So those are some things we'll go over. Uh, during this, we're gonna really try and explain to you guys what the what playing a playing a night lords army would be like. You'll get a pretty good feel of what it'll look like. So if you're on the fence on playing night lords or not, we will probably end up convincing you this episode that you should play it, but. Keep an open mind that, you know, we're just explaining why you would play. So, anyway, so let's start with the Night Lords. So, you can't have Night Lords without the powerful, powerful Conrad Kurz or Cruz or Kars, whatever. I'm going to say Kurz this whole episode. So, Conrad Kurz. All right. So, Conrad Kurz was one of the Primarchs of all the Legions. Uh, we talk about this every episode that all the Primarchs were separated at whenever they were in their gestation pods and they were shot out across the universe. All right. Conrad Kurz was sent to the planet Nostromo. Okay. And Nostromo is a planet that is close to a dying sun. So it's extremely dark on this planet. However, the planet's crust is very rich with adamantium. So it's very, it's pretty imperative that the Imperium keeps Nostromo running and keeps it going because adamantium is Pretty, pretty, uh, can't pretty have Wolverine. Yeah, I can't make Wolverines without having adamantium. It's one of the strongest materials in the universe. So they, you know, just keep, keep Nostromo happy, keep it going. But it's just riddled with violence. It's riddled with crime. That's what happens. Well, anyway, Conrad Kurz's gestation pod comes crashing into the planet. Boom, makes a big old hole, crashes through the crust into the core of the planet. He has to crawl out through magma, get through all this shit and make it to the top. Now, unlike all the other primarchs who got sent to planets like, uh, you know, you have like, you know, Rogel Dorn or you have Guillemin who get adopted in families. You know, you have the lion who gets, you know, picked up and all these other primarchs who got adopted. Conrad's cars was never adopted. This planet is so riddled with crime. There's murders everywhere. It's just this horrible, horrible, just ghetto of a planet. And he just doesn't get the it. The emperor out. once tweeted that it was a shithole and the shit like, yeah. hit the fan. People <laughs> got mad. Some people supported it. It was, you know, it was a it, bad, it was, but just throwing that out there. That's how bad it was that the emperor once tweeted it was a shithole. Yeah. He's like, I don't, yeah. Anyway. So Nostromo, <laughs> just this, just this shithole of a planet, dude. Everybody's just 
just a problem. You have Conrad Kurz raising himself as a young boy, no family. Nobody's going to adopt this kid. So what's he got to do? He's got to fend for himself on the streets. All right? So as he's growing up, as he's getting older, he starts fighting for himself, fending for himself. He's got to feed himself, so he kills animals. He kills people. He eats, anim- he eats people. It gets to the point where he even eats dead people. Like, he's that messed up. Like, this is how messed up the childhood of Conrad he's, Kurz is. He's super evil Batman. He's evil yeah. Batman. He's evil Batman. So anyway, Conrad Kurz recognizes that this planet is corrupt, and he starts getting a morality to him that, he, you know, it's kind of like uh, he recognizes what is bad and what is good. So I don't know where the first fall off was or anything like that, but it definitely did start with a politician. He found a corrupt politician, killed him in his sleep, and tore him to pieces and scattered his pieces amongst Nostromo. And, of course, you know, that was his first kill and everything. You know, he just starts going evil Batman style where he's just just applying vigilante. He's got a very twisted code of morality. He's kind of like Dexter mixed with Batman or something like that. I don't know how you want to put it. That's, I mean, that's the best way to put it. I mean, he's got this vigilante message to, like, a vigilante kind of aesthetic to him where he's going around just murdering people. And uh, so word gets around, man. So he's going, just processing this uh, this judgment onto all these different evildoers out there. He's killing murderers. He's killing rapists. He's killing criminals. And he's just going around. And it comes to the point where everybody's like, Dude, what is happening? You know, what is going on? There's this evil, evil, like, force coming around, killing all these people. And they give them the name the Night Haunter. And they just, you know, they... Oh, it's it's also important to note, he believes the only true form of control in the entirety of the galaxy is fear. Absolutely. He thinks that's the only way to keep people in line. He, He thinks that the only way to keep people from... To walk the straight and narrow is to make them so goddamn afraid to do anything wrong that that's the only reason like that's the only motivating factor basically in the galaxy that means anything is fear absolutely and that's that's pretty much how he rolls and so the gangs get together and they decide we're going to hunt night haunter just like they decided to hunt batman in batman returns and it doesn't work they end up all dying they all get killed because he's a damn primarch don't forget it. Don't get it twisted, people. He's a damn Primark. So what he ends up doing is he ends up killing this entire gang that was sent out to kill him. And by this point, everybody's afraid to do anything. Everybody's afraid to commit crimes. Everybody's afraid to sin because they know that there's a night hunter running around. And keep in mind, guys, this isn't like a town. This isn't like a metropolis or gotham where it's just like he's got this one town under control no it's nostromo the whole damn planet the whole damn planet like he just shows up places that you wouldn't expect him to and he murders people so finally the whole planet is afraid of conrad Kurz, aka the guy they assume is the night hunter which they call the night hunter and so he approaches the planet's overlords you know these like politicians and says hey I'm Night Haunter. I'm Conrad Kurz. I would like to be the sole ruler of this planet. And naturally, you know, being terrified of this man, they say, okay, yeah, that's cool. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> so Nashramo goes into this just 
beautiful, beautiful like renaissance period where they're tripling their production in adamantium. Uh, crime is nowhere to be found because everybody's afraid and everybody's just running. It's just like it's it's almost like a new leaf has been turned over on Nostromo. And if any crimes get committed, the Night Haunter personally goes and handles those crimes. So he's just like this insane Batman character, Dexter murderer that goes around. So one thing I didn't touch base on, but I definitely should, is uh, Night Haunter Conrad Kurz. Not only does Conrad Kurz have a... I guess uh, he's kind of got like a split personality where he's, it's like something clicks in his head. It's like Batman. He's got a Bruce Wayne and a, and a Batman. (laughs) He's, he's Conrad Kurz and he's Night Hunter. It's two different. So, so Conrad Kurz is absolutely a reasonable person when you're talking to him. Uh, He's definitely a reasonable individual you know, whenever I guess if you're coming at this looking at the 40k side of it, you don't really understand and see the the Horace Heresy version of Conrad Kurz. But Conrad Kurz is legitimately a primarch. He's very thoughtful. He's intelligent. Uh, he's he's the Bruce Wayne of the Batman. Uh, but the Night Hunter is a murderous freak. Now, in between those two, in between those two split personalities. The Night Hunter's gene, see, like his, the, the, when the Emperor gave his DNA to these boys, his gene seed, his gene pod, uh, the Night Hunter was one of the few Primarchs that got, uh, psychic visions. So the Night Hunter does have psychic tendencies. However, and unfortunately for him, it almost seems like he can only see people dying or people's death and he can't control what he sees. It just fucking happens. All right. And a lot of times it gets him in trouble, which we will find out during this episode because it's going to come up quite a bit. So, uh, just putting that out there that he does have these psychic visions and has split personalities. So emperor is going around looking for his lost primarchs. Okay. Emperor comes to Nostromo with four other Primarchs. He's got Dorn with him. He's got Fulgrim with him. He's got Ferris with him. And he has Lorgar with him. And they come to Nostromo to come pick up their newly found Primarch brother, Conrad Kurz. So they get there. And the Emperor says, Conrad, my son, like, you know, glad I found you. First person to come introduce himself is Dorn. Immediately, Conrad Kurz has a vision of Dorn getting stabbed multiple times by many, many parties of men just stabbing him in the gut. Okay. Next person to introduce himself is Lorgar. And he immediately sees Lorgar burst into flames and just die from, from flames of the warp. And he's trying to trying to get that vision together. Then Ferris Manus comes and introduces himself and Lorgar or I'm sorry. And Conrad immediately gets a vision of an armored gauntlet holding an eyeless head of Ferris Manus. And finally, Fulgrim introduces himself and it's kind of blurry, but he sees a slithering, a slithering vision of like a, you know, almost like a snake like being. And all these visions are hitting him all at the same time. And finally the emperor comes up to, to psychically introduce himself because the emperor don't talk. And 
he's overwhelmed by a vision of what's to come. And he's so overwhelmed that he tries to claw his own eyes out and falls to his knees until the emperor puts his hand on top of Conrad's head and says like, fear not my son for I'm here. And he immediately, the visions leave him and he comes back to normal and he's back to normal Conrad curse. And that's, that's pretty much how it started out. Like, obviously, I mean, that's a trip. Like you think about like how, if you were to meet your brand new brother and you started, you know, having damn panic attacks in front of you, it's gonna, you're gonna realize, fuck, we got another weird one. Like we got a, we got another Purdy right here. <laughs> God dang it. So they pick up Conrad Kurz, they give him the Eighth Legion, and he decides to, you know, make the Night Lords. Now they're gonna make it. They're gonna give him the legion. He gets to run the legion the way he wants. And like Ryan said, he leads by fear. So every planet he goes to during during the heresy, he um, I'm sorry, not the heresy during the, Crusade. uh, the crusades, he leads by fear. You'll you'd have planets that would find out that he's coming, and before they realized it, you know they would immediately you know anything they were doing wrong, they'd fix because they were so terrified of the Night Lords Legion. Um, now Conrad Kurz did recruit from Nostromo. He did recruit his, uh, his legionnaires from Nostromo. And unfortunately it's one of the few Primarchs that wasn't proud to be recruiting from his home planet because he knew that he was recruiting these, you know, these pretty pretty sick serial killers and you know bad people from his planet and gang members gang members and things like that just rough ruffians from his planet and unfortunately uh he did see that start to tarnish his legion uh he did realize that you know his legion would be uh torturing their their captives they would be murdering their captives like they were they were not the the like you know the baddies they were definitely bad guys in his mind you know however he did realize that they did serve a purpose and they didn't need them and that he could not quell the universe on his own so he just dealt with it and it really did take a toll on him, him mentally because that's an issue man like that's like you're watching your legion you realize that your, your legion's the bad guys you know do, we, do our shoulder pads have little skulls with <laughs> wings on them are, are we the baddies are we the baddies does it look like exactly like the Overkill band logo? Yes, it does, because it's 100% <laughs> ripped off from... <laughs> so, Conrad Kurz, definitely, you know, uh, they do strike quickly. Uh, whenever he does attack a planet, uh, there's a number of books where they will take over the planet's local emergency broadcast system and things like that, and they will, uh, you know translate out or they'll they'll broadcast out you know eerie things on televisions and you know pick feeds and stuff like that uh they they definitely attacked by fear they definitely caused mass hysteria uh that's how the legion works um unfortunately gameplay wise there's no real way to to relate that into gameplay wise but if you're thinking about playing this legion that's how they uh that that's how they work you know before they get to a planet, they fucking scare the shit out of it. So, anyway, uh, kind of moving into... Terror Assault. Terror Assault represents that. 
they get bonuses when night fights going on and yeah. they have a lot of you they make you take terror squads with cause fear all that kind of stuff yeah i guess yeah yeah that's true I was thinking more like, you know, getting into the pick feeds and, like, spreading chaos and stuff like that amongst the, the people, the populace. Yeah, they don't have anything like that. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, so, Night Hunter, Conrad Kurz, uh, definitely started seeing, st- started having visions before the heresy broke out. Uh, he was already starting to have visions of the Emperor dying, have how the Emperor was going to get slayed, and basically how the emperor caused all of these issues and he immediately started resenting the emperor uh seeing him as a hypocrite because he realized what was going on uh, amongst his brothers uh so he reached out to fulgrim and let fulgrim know this is before the heresy before anything happens he says hey brother fulgrim i'm having these visions they're fucking me up i don't know what to do fulgrim being the gossip girl that he is goes to rogel rogel dorn he's like hey man Conrad Kurz is having these visions. He's having issues. I don't know what to tell him. Like, I don't know what I should say. And Rogel Dorn says, you know what? I'll go talk to him. So Rogel Dorn goes, has a conversation with Conrad Kurz. And if you've ever, if you listen to our Pro Fist episode, you know Rogel Dorn doesn't like when you talk shit about his brothers or when you talk shit about the Emperor. Those are two things you don't talk shit about. You'll get backhanded across the command deck for doing something like that. You will get cross backhanded across the command deck. That's right. So... Conrad Kurz comes and talks to Rogaldorn in person and tells him, hey, man, I'm having these visions of the Emperor dying. <laughs> Strike one. You don't talk about the Emperor dying to, in front of Rogaldorn. And he says, but the Emperor kind of deserved it because, you know, he's uh, he, he's not telling us everything. Strike two. You don't talk shit about the Emperor. And he says the Emperor will get, you know, is going to get killed by one of our brothers. Strike three, you don't talk about the Emperor dying. That's three strikes. <laughs> and so they're fighting, boys. Now, doesn't really explain how the fight went down, but all we know is that Rogodorn gets knocked out and has giant gashes in his torso. All right, and Night Hunter has switched back to Conrad Kerr's mode and is sitting there immediately feeling bad about what he has done and is just on his knees in front of Rogaldorn crying uh, when the Imperial Fist bodyguard walk in and they take him take him to his cell, you know, and they hold him prisoner. So they hold a Primarch tribunal to figure out what they're going to do with the Night Haunter. They want to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? And when they make their decision and go get him out of his cell, he's fucking gone. It's just, it's done. It's Batman's out. Batman's out. So, the Night Haunter, during all this, tired of his legion, tired of just everything because he realizes that he's not going to be able to convince his brothers or anything like that. He's going through kind of an angry, angry step in his life. Uh, takes his ships back to Nostromo. Uh, finds out that Nostromo has fallen back into its old ways. Uh, without the Night Hunter there to continue ruling in fear, and being gone long enough, they have officially come back to the original shithole of a planet that he le- he originally came to. And so upon seeing this, he exterminatuses his own planet. The blinding light of the exterminatus blinds his people before they're immediately vaporized on his planet. He destroys Nostromo. Okay. 
reaches out to the emperor, says, hey, emperor, I had to do it. Nostromo went back into fear. You get it right. You know, this is what we do. The emperor immediately tells him, this is not what I wanted. How dare you destroy your own planet? You know, how dare you destroy these people? The emperor is not having it. So when you're looking at what's the straw that broke Conrad Kurz's back, it's the emperor not approving him of destroying his own planet, Nostromo, because that's the final straw that turned Conrad Kurz from the emperor. He said, Emps, you're weak for, for not letting me do this. And I, you know, I'm done. I'm peacing out. And so this is pretty much before the heresy happened. This is before, you know, Horus did his thing. But however, before the emperor could go out and say, Hey, uh, other primarchs, Hey, where's the wolf at? Let's go ahead and get Lehman in there to go ahead and bring in, uh, Conrad. The heresy breaks out. He gets word of Horus's betrayal. So it kind of gets convoluted. He can't really deal with Conrad Kurz. So, unfortunately, he kind of gets away. It also basically preordains the choice of whether they're going to be loyalist or traitor because since he's already on the outs, as soon as the heresy breaks out, he really obviously only has one side that makes logical sense to join with. Yeah, it was real convenient that he (laughs) uh, decided to turn, turn away from the Emperor Right when the Emperor just lost half of the legions loyal to him. Almost too convenient. Yeah, almost too convenient. So So anyway, uh, by this point, you know, Horus reaches out to the Night Hunter. He's like, oh, man, this worked out. I was kind of afraid to fight you. Uh, <laughs> good to know that you're on our side. Reaches out to uh, the Night Hunter, says, hey, man, uh, so we just committed these atrocities on Istvan Three. So, party in the Istvan system, you in? Yeah, so Istvan 5 is about to go down. Will you pretend to be a loyalist during the drop site massacre? And Night Hunter says, yeah, man, I'm in. I'm game. Like, people don't see that one coming. Like, everybody, they don't even send any calls out to him for help, and they just fucking show up yeah. and don't really <laughs> talk to anyone and just kind of floating around, and nobody fucking thinks that's suspicious. Yeah, because he was already Sorry, in trouble, Tim. which, which, which yeah. is very weird. Fucking like, Ferris, Ferris Manis is fucking... Not dumb. a bright dude. Yeah, he's dumb. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, so if y'all don't know about Istvan Five, uh, what happened was the Salamanders, the Iron Hands, and the Raven Guard were all on the planet. They had assumed that Horus, Horus, uh, Horus, Mortarian, Fulgrim, Mortarium, and, and Angron, and Angron, and, and Angron. Were all they had assumed that all of them were traitor because they had you know basically killed off their legion on Istvan three the half that wouldn't be towards the emperor they had all given themselves to Horus and said you know that they were against the emperor and so nobody else knew that the rest of the legions were traitor uh, you know that yeah, it the, the Alpha Legion the Night Lords Iron Hands the Iron Iron Warriors. Iron Warriors and the Word Bearers they had no idea nobody knew so when Istvan five went down. They called upon these other legions to help. Night Lords being one of those legions, they showed up posing as loyalists. And when the battle got its thickest and they were at their worst, the loyalists, loyalist in air quotes, showed up to come help the uh, Iron Hands, Salamanders, and Raven Guard. Uh, they caught them in a crossfire and shot back at them. That's why they call it the Drop Site Massacre. 
the Night Lords attacked the Raven Guard flank. That was the side of the battle that they were most prevalent on. So they fucked up the Raven Guard. They were one of the ones on the Raven Guard flank. Absolutely. They fucked the Raven Guard up. Uh, by this time, you had Korax, who was busy uh, beating the shit out of Lorgar. Uh, he had stuck a claw through Lorgar's stomach. He slashed his face up. Lorgar was having a bad time. And before Korax could finish the job, uh, the Night Haunter shows up and uh, grabbed his claw, held him in place, and then Korax takes off with his jet booster, gets his lightning claw ripped off, and gets out, gets the fuck out of there because he's not going to fight two Primarchs. It's not how it works. So, Well, it, he describes it later on himself that he wasn't scared of Kurz himself. He looked into Kurz's eyes and saw what he could have been because they actually have fairly similar upbringings in a way. <laughs> well, they have very similar upbringings in, in a lot of ways, but where Kurz got no support and no, like, you know, friends, like no feeling of family or whatever, Korax at least got some of that with the prisoners on deliverance, so Korax turned out differently. But they're almost two sides of the same coin. So for whatever reason, Korax, when he looked into Nighthaunter's eyes and seen how mad and crazy he was, he realized at that moment that he kind of saw that in himself and it freaked him out, and he fled. But then later on, he he resolves himself to that and and basically, in his own head, works it out that if he ever sees him again, it's on it's on like Donkey Kong. It's on yeah. like Donkey fucking Kong. It's on like Michelle Kwan. Yeah. So anyway... So that goes down. Uh, Night Haunter definitely, definitely uh, is full on traitor at this point in the heresy. Uh, uh, after leaving Istvan, uh, he does end up capturing Vulcan on Istvan Five. He takes Vulcan on. His he ship. doesn't capture him. The Iron Warriors or Iron capture Warriors. him, and they give him give him over. And Perturabo builds this weird maze. labyrinth slash maze thing for Kurs, and he keeps Vulcan on his ship. And torments so, and tortures him. So, yeah, that's how fucking crazy Night Haunter has become after the heresy. Uh, he kind of lets all of his crazy inhibitions loose and decides to just torture for fun and for pleasure at this point. Uh, it's 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 very awkward because he's not tainted by the warp yet. Like, he's not tainted by any chaos gods. He's actually just fucked up. Like, it's not like he's giving himself over to any gods or anything like that. He's just torturing Vulcan just to torture Vulcan. And he actually tortures Vulcan to the point where Vulcan dies. Okay? Vulcan dies and comes back. And he realizes that Vulcan is a perpetual. And then he tries all these, like, Nazi-esque, like, experiments on Vulcan where, like, he, you know, shoots him with a bunch of bolters. He uh, burns him up, tears him limb from limb, does all kinds of crazy, like, Saul-type stuff to him, kills him repeatedly. Just to watch him grow back. He throws him into the void, he comes back after that. Like, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Like the amount of stuff he does to Vulcan and Vulcan's just like, uh, dying to that. Uh, Ryan, you know so much more about this part of the story. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Why don't you explain how Vulcan gets out? So he does his thing. He builds this big labyrinth thing to torture Vulcan. And as Vulcan is like trying to get through the labyrinth, he's doing all this stuff. Like Michael saying, like he, Catches him in between, like, walls that crush him. He does shit, like, puts still-live salamanders um, 
in like a situation where they're going to get smashed and Vulcan has to like hold these cables like that are ripping him apart in order to keep them from being smashed. But he doesn't like it. There's not like a time limit. It's forever, which obviously <laughs> no matter how strong you are, you can't last forever. So at some point, you know, his ligaments give out and his arms rip off or he just releases it or whatever. And, you know, it, it kills his own sons and makes him, you know, feel like he caused that. There's a part where he actually straps him into like some weird machine with a bunch of blades on it. Like he's riding around in it alive and it's chasing around like live salamanders, like automated and he's strapped into it. So it's like using his body to control it, but he doesn't have control over it. So he's like strapped in this machine that's like going around killing salamanders, like ripping them apart. There's just all kinds of weird shit. So at some point, uh, Vulcan finally makes it to the center of the maze and Kurz is supposed to like, you know, teach him some moral lesson or whatever. And Vulcan's supposed to be broke at this point and all this stuff. And cause they've had like this big rivalry from the very beginning. Cause they're almost like polar opposites on how their outlook of the world. Um, like Vulcan is very like into humanity. He's like the, the cool dude. Like he believes that all people are good or can be good you know, and all that, like, totally opposite viewpoints. And Kurz is trying to, like, if he can corrupt, not necessarily corrupt Vulcan, but make him like him, make him see the world the way that he sees the world, it would be, like, the pentacle of his being. So that's what he's trying to do. So they end up meeting up in the middle of the maze. Um, somehow, Kurz thinks it's smart to get close to Vulcan at some point, and then Vulcan basically goes all Khabib Nurmagomedov and fucking wrestles him down and just whips his fucking silly... Night Lord ass. And um, he actually takes him and like pile drive. Like, so he puts Vulcan's hammer in this force field thing because he knows that it has some type of uh, essentially. He knows that Vulcan's going to want it. And uh, so he puts this hammer in the middle of this force field and Vulcan shows up. He's got no armor, no weapon. So Kurz doesn't think he can get in there. So at some point, uh, Vulcan grabs him and just slams him through his own force field and shatters the force field with Kurz's body and then gets his hammer out and the hammer has a built-in teleportation device and uh, he teleports away. Teleports but he tells Kurz during one point that, because Kurz is like, makes mention that he always beat him in the dueling cages on Terra and all this stuff and then Vulcan's like whipping his ass and then Vulcan always basically brings up to him that he always thought Kurz was like pathetic and wimpy and let him win because of his ego. And he could have really whipped his ass at any time. So he just kind of took pity on him. And because Vulcan's humble, he doesn't really care if he wins like in that, like he didn't find it important, like prop up his <laughs> ego that he won, that he held back. So then when he does finally fight Kurz, he beats his ass. I know that people don't want to hear this on the Night Lord episode, but that's how the novel's written. Just say that right, right before he pieces out with his little teleporter on his, right on his, right before he pieces out with his teleporter, he goes, "And by the way, you was always a bitch." Yeah. <laughs> he teleports Basically, back yeah. In. I bet you didn't know this thing could teleport, did you? He teleports back out. Would you dumbass? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, but I mean, yeah. Don't go full Batman villain if you don't want to get Batman. So I mean. In reality, though, like if like straight up, <laughs> Kurz tortured this poor soul for a long time, and so it, it they had to give some sort of justice to it. So Vulcan deuces out, right? Vulcan's gone. He goes to Ultramar. 
he just teleports out. So it's just back to But he Kurt. loses his mind. From from Kerr's torturing him and killing him over and over so many times, it sort of fucked his brain up and fractured his mind. And then he when he teleported, he just teleported it doesn't really explain it. Like I don't know how the teleporter works, like if you think where you want to go or whatever. But he essentially wanted to teleport to one of his brothers or whatever. So he ends up teleporting like all the way across space. It took him like a year to get there. He's literally missing for a year. I think it describes in the book. Yep. And then when he appears, he appears in space above McCrag and then burns in through the atmosphere like an asteroid. So he essentially <laughs> becomes a comet. So he burns up into like this frag, like fragged fucking solidified skeleton, like fried man burns into the atmosphere, slams through a warehouse and craters into the basement of the warehouse and is dead. But he's obviously perpetual. So they go and recover this body and they're totally freaked out because they have this giant charred body that fell from space and they can't figure out like, they're like, it's a big mystery. And he's like on this slab in a fucking, uh, um, morgue. And then all of a sudden it starts repairing itself and growing back. And they're like, Oh shit, this is going to be a problem. What do we do? What do we do? what do we do? What do we do? So they like put him in this like weird glass observation cell. And then he grows back enough to be alive again. But he's just like this meat golem that has a shattered mind. So he doesn't have like skin or flesh yet. He's just like a man made of like bloody muscle, like running around and like pounding on the walls of his enclosure, trying to get out with like mad wild eyes. And he's just totally fucking insane with a fragmented mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kind of the work of Conrad, kind of the work of your body, mostly the teleporter charcoal at that point. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to Conrad Kurz and where he went from here. So uh, by this point of the heresy, after he you know he lost Vulcan uh, because of his trap, uh, Horace decides to send Conrad Kurz as a what's it called an eloquary eloquary. Equery? Equery? Yeah. Yeah. Equery to the lion to see if the lion will join his side. Uh, he goes to the lion, talks to the lion, and, you know, they both meet up with uh, two of their honor guard and both end up talking and they get into a fight. Uh, they end up. I think they no. knew that the lion was a turned traitor. I think it was more of a distraction tactic. He was like, hey, go fuck with this guy and just keep him out of the heresy by running him all over the galaxy. That's exactly what it was, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Conrad Kurz ends up getting the upper hand on the lion, gets him in a chokehold, and his dark angel bodyguards have to step in, and the lion and think, Conrad Kurz... I think it's Corswain saves him. I think Corswain stabs curs in the back something like that yeah and they say next time we see you uh it's death like it's just going down like there's no more of this you know brotherly love shit next time it's full on i'm killing you uh so that's uh that's that part and ryan you want to go into like a premium secundus and all that? you know way more about that than i do at this point so anyway during the theramus crusade they have all these running clashes um and then at another point um the night hunter and the lion fight again and the lion gets the better of him and almost kills him. And he actually falls into a coma. And so night hunters in a coma and his legion is basically still trying to 
stick to the mission and harass the Dark Angels, even though the Dark Angels essentially have their Primark up and running, and Kurz is incapacitated from the line fucking him up. But, you know, line doesn't kill him. He's just, like, like I said, in a coma, and they don't know if he's going to recover or not. So then there's a little short story with this going on, and then in the near near the end of the short story, the fucking Night Hunter just wakes up out of his coma. He saw some visions and shit, wakes up, and he immediately orders an all-out attack on the Dark Angel's flagship, a massive, like, teleport boarding assault. Um, so, like, the majority of the Legion goes aboard the Lion's vessel, tries to take it out. They get surrounded and fucking killed, massacred, and half of them, like, a lot of them get taken prisoner, a lot of them die. Um, during the course of all this going very poorly, um, they, the Legion is ordered to scatter, so all that's left of the Night Lord's Legion is just told to scatter to the four winds, split up so that the Dark Angels can't wipe them out. Um, Conrad Kurz isn't, he's technically not captured-captured, but he's stuck on the lion's ship. So he's like loose in the bowels of the ship <laughs> and they isolate, they isolate the part of the ship that he's in where he can't get out and he's just trapped there. And then all the other night Lords are killed or rounded up and imprisoned, including Sevatar. Um, so af right after this, the lion heads to, uh, McCrag and while they're on the way to McCrag, the lion keeps venturing down into the guts of the ship, into the isolated part where the night hunter's at, and and tries to hunt him one on one and take him out in his own ship. And every time he gets close, he slips away, so he's unable to catch him and finish the job. So it's like this like hunter versus prey in the like in his own ship, and he tries to take him out, uh, you know, while they're on the way to McCrag, but he can't get the job done. So when he shows up at McCrag, the lion or the night hunter still loose on his ship, and of course the lion, being the fucking lion, doesn't tell Gilliman what's going on. So he goes down to have like you know a barbecue dinner or whatever, and they're sitting around the big fucking table. And while he's there, night hunter gets out of the quarantine zone on the ship, kills a bunch of fucking dark angels, and because the lion is an untrustworthy, like doubting piece of shit. He had all of his uh, drop pods preloaded up to launch an orbital assault on McCrag because he doesn't trust anyone. Um, but, you know, when he landed and he's having dinner with Gilliman, he realizes that everything's cool and he's not going to have to do it. The problem is when Nighthaunter gets free, he launches the orbital assault as a distraction to also get himself to the planet. So he murders all the occupants in one drop pod, gets in the drop pod, and then orders the orbital launch with his Primarch DNA. So the Dark Angels launch a orbital assault while the lion is having dinner with Gilliman, and Gilliman's like, what the fuck? What's going on? So then uh, the he lion so has to... Badass. The lion has to... He's like all doing his lion shit where he's like, uh, yeah, well, about that. You know, like, this happened. And, and Gilliman's like, why are you such a piece of shit? Just tell me the truth. And the lion's all like, uh, well... And the Gilliman's like, just tell well, me the fucking was. truth. And so finally he's like, well, we, you know, we preloaded our drop pods. We didn't know if you were going to be loyal or not. And Gilliman's like, oh, you're such a piece of shit. Of course I'm loyal. So the lion, the, so Gilliman has raised all the void shields so that all the dark angels are just screaming in to this planet that's covered with shields. So they're just going to like all hit the shields and die. Like, like half the fucking legion, like everybody aboard his command ship. And Gilliman's like, 
You're such a piece of shit. I might not even drop the shields. Just like fuck your guys. You know? Just a giant giant switch. I'm not even I'm not even gonna throw this. Yeah. And the lions all like, please, brother, blah blah blah. I'll always tell you the truth. You know, blah blah blah. And Gilliman being Gilliman's finally like, fine, what the fuck ever. I don't like you, but you need to you know give, need to give the order that when your guys land, they immediately throw down their arms and submit to the ultramarines. And so the lion drops, or the Gilliman drops the shields, sends all the fucking, all the ultramarines out to where he knows the Dark Angels are going to land, and the lion gives the order to for them to not give, like, any flack to the ultramarines and submit, you know, holster all their weapons, whatever. So the Dark Angels all fucking land in their drop pods, and they're, like, confused. They don't know what the, they were, like, told to load up, then they're launched, then they're told to stand down. Then they're like, oh, we're going to die. We're going to slam into the shield. The shield goes down at the last minute. They land, and now they're like under arrest by the Ultramarines, basically. <laughs> so they go back, and they're trying to sort out what happened. So the lion, still being a blind piece of shit, does tell Gilliman that Conrad he Kurt tells him loose. about the orbital assault <laughs> thing. but And he has a suspicion, obviously. Like he, who do you, How do you not know what the fuck happened? Like He knows what happened. But he doesn't tell Gilliman that... Nighthaunter's on the ship, or that he could have got off, or what. He just doesn't bring that up. He just, typical lion fashion, doesn't, just like, whatever. And then behind behind his back, he's like telling us guys, we need to find him before my brother finds out, and he's mad at me. <laughs> uh, so, I told him I wasn't going to lie, but Nighthaunter's fucking loose on this planet now. He's probably killed like six people already. <laughs> so the Nighthaunter does. He starts killing people, and all this shit starts going really wrong, and all this, and th- nobody can figure out what's going on. Of course, the Dark He's like Angel, a virus, lion, dude. He's like a fucking virus. Yeah. Lion <laughs> knows what's going virus. on. He well, finally, it comes out, and Gilliman's like, you know, finds out that he knows something. He's like, look, you piece of garbage. Just tell me what the fuck. And finally, the lion's like, well, you know, Conrad may or may not have been on my ship, and he may or may not have fucking gotten loose on your planet. And then they like really come to blows and Gilliman like wants to fucking kill him and they get really mad at each other. But then Gilliman being Gilliman forgives him and they end up having to work together to try to corral the Night Hunter. And then while this is going on, crazy Hulk Vulcan uh, gets loose and he's got like some preternatural sense to like home in on Kurs and try to kill him. Like that's all he cares about. But he's like not really intelligent he's just like he's basically the hulk at this point he regenerates really fast he's big and angry and green and he's just running around on a rampage like (laughs) single-mindedly trying to fucking kill curse but he has no like real war gear he breaks into gilliman's weapon room and like gets some really like piece of shit like scattered pieces of armor that he puts on so he's like gladiator hulk i guess and he's got like (laughs) uh shit red's he's like sakar like like a yeah so he ends up fighting, like, he keeps, like, showing up and attacking Nighthaunter, but Nighthaunter's, like, in his full war gear or whatever, and Vulcan's just, like, maddened, half-healed, not really intelligent, just madly attacking Vulcan. So he keeps, like, killing Vulcan, but then Vulcan, every time Vulcan dies, he comes back regenerating faster, and he's angrier. So the Night Hunter's like, why won't you just die? Because he'll like kill him and then run ten feet, and then Vulcan gets back up, comes back after him, and he's like, "Fuck, I can't get rid of this dude." So Vulcan just like keeps regenerating and chases him all over the fucking planet. Planet. <laughs> yeah, for real. For real. And then uh, all same time, the fucking Dark Angels and Ultramarines are after him. So 
at some point, the Night Hunter fights fucking the Lion and Gilliman at the same time, and he's kind of getting the better of them. Um, but he's not like winning necessarily. It's just kind of like a stalemate. But he's planted all these charges, and his idea was just to blow the charges and kill everybody, including himself. But through some really bad writing that is Unremembered <laughs> Empire, they get stuck through some stupid fucking portal and saved, and the Night Hunter escapes because of reasons. Um, and that kind of goes to shit. And then he ends up having a final showdown with Vulcan. There are these other perpetuals and the cabal involved that are also looking for Vulcan to try to stag him, stab him with this Fulgurite spear and kill him because there's some prophecy that the Emperor needs Vulcan and the cabal needs to stop it or whatever. So, it's silly. Read the book. It's a terrible book, but it's kind of key to the heresy. But anyway... So Vulcan and Kurs have this big like fight at the end where he like dies, but then immediately like resurrects seconds later and just keeps attacking him. And um, he actually hits Kurs in the face with like a hammer so hard it like knocks him through like three parking garage walls. And of course, Kurs is fine, but like Vulcan falls on a picket fence and dies. But we won't go there anyway. So uh, ends up that there's a Cabal guy and he has like some weird warp creature in a fucking jar, like his demon weird warp creature thing, and he throws it at Kurs, and the jar shatters, and this demon, like, engulfs Kurs, and he falls through this warp gate, and, like, gets sucked out in the middle of nowhere, and then later on, at the end of the book, the gate reopens, and he gets dumped out on a totally different part of McCrag. And then there's a, another book later on where he's still on McCrag and they're still hunting him down. And the lion finally gets him trapped in like this cave system or this like underground building or basement. I can't remember. And they have another duel and the lion actually gets the better of him in this duel and breaks his back, Bang like cripples style. him, it b- breaks his back. And then they drag him to like the courts in McCrag, like with some powdered wig, fuck faces and Gilliman's <laughs> presiding. And they like, like a court thing. With for Kurs, which is ridiculous. I picture Gilliman with his helmet on, with a powdered wig over like, his helmet. Yeah, Kurs is like, this is a kangaroo point court, blah blah blah, and then like, and Sanguinius, I believe, has to be because it has to be a fair trial. I think Gilliman is. I can't remember what it is. Somebody's the prosecutor, somebody's the judge, and somebody's the the basically the public defendant. And yep. I think they somehow managed to get Kurs off. Which is, like, dumb. It's like, I don't know. I can't even remember. It's not, it's, people should read it. But anyway, uh, they don't, like, kill him or anything. Um, And then later on he escapes again, because, of course, he does. I don't think they've gotten to the part where he escapes again. I don't remember. Maybe they did. We know he escapes. We know for sure that he escapes. (laughs) Like... (laughs) But anyway, not, like, Kurtz fights, like, all of his brothers. He fights Sanguinius at some point to a stalemate because they can both see the future, like, seconds in advance, so they neither one can do anything to each other because it's like they each see each other's weapon blows before they land, so they just fight to a stalemate. Um, Kurz actually likes Sanguinius for some reason, and Sanguinius takes pity on Kurz, so they kind of, in a weird way, sort of get along. It's kind of an odd relationship there. Um so, yeah, but Kurz fights Sanguinius, he fights Gilliman, he fights the Lion several times, he fights Vulcan several times, he fights fucking Dorn, he fights Korax a little bit. I think he's fought more Primarchs than anyone. Absolutely. And, I mean, really, he's he's running around, he's fighting all these Primarchs, he's holding his own. 
And on top of that, you know, as like as intelligent as like Gimmin is, as intelligent as the lion is, and all this stuff, Conrad Kurz is so fucking sneaky and he's so like tactile, tactical that he like he gets one up on them like pretty often. Like it's the future, it's pretty fucking easy when you see the future. <laughs> That's true. It's very true. And so. Oh. At that trial, there's a funny part where the lion pisses Gilliman off, and Gilliman runs over and just takes the sword from him, like snatches it from him and breaks it over his knee, and, like throws it down, and the lion gets all mad. It's pretty funny. That's probably my favorite part of the book, just because it's ridiculous. It reminds me of like when you read it. Imagine like eight or nine year olds, like somebody has like a toy gun or something that's like their favorite toy, and they're arguing, and then the one brother runs over and like takes the other brother's toy, breaks it just to be a dick. <laughs> and then they start squabbling. It's pretty funny. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, Conrad Kurz ends up escaping. All right. He gets out. Yeah. Gets off a of Macridge. Uh, I don't know if it's canonly written yet or how it's done or anything like that. It may not be a book. I don't. Remember. But uh, I really don't. Uh, if you recall, guys, we did say that uh, Kurz did not dedicate himself or any of his Night Lords. Uh, to any of the chaos gods, uh, he wasn't enveloped by the warp. He's one of the few uh, chaos legion, or not chaos legions. He's one of the full, few traitor legions that has no. I mean, he'll eventually have warp taint, I guess, but uh, there's yeah. no, there's no dedicate during the heresy. There was no warp involvement in his turning. So if you're looking at playing a legion that you know is not swayed by the chaos gods or anything like that, there's a pretty good start. Uh, so after the heresy, uh, whenever you know Horus fails to conquer Terra, and they you know end up losing spoilers spoilers, all of the traitor legions make a run for the Eye of Terror. Okay, they try and get the fuck out of there. Now the Night Lords they didn't do that. The Night Lords continue to do what Night Lords do, and that is... Well, they started a new homeworld. They had a base of operations that was like Tuscalia, or Tuscalia, however you pronounce it. It's T-S, like, T-S-G-U-A-L-A-U-G, Abundus, or some shit like that. Yeah, it's Abundus. So they started up their new homeworld, and they just went planet to planet just doing fucking crazy killing shit. Do what they do. Uh, do what they do. They harassed imperial worlds the night hunter uh definitely went and harassed these imperial worlds and you know just caused just spread fear amongst that portion of the galaxy uh now if you're considering night lords and you're considering playing night lords then you've probably already realized that the night hunter was one of the few primarchs that was actually uh assassinated air quotes because nobody's really sure it's not confirmed but it seems pretty probable. Uh, no, it's it's confirmed. There's a whole <laughs> book about it. It's called Night Lord. It's a 40K book that actually describes the scene. So, so yeah, it does describe the scene, but, I mean... He was killed by M. Shin, the assassin. M. Shin, a, the uh, assassin. She's a Calidus assassin. So He lets entire... himself be killed. He gives exactly. some big fucking monologue, and he's like, strike, assassin. She's like, okay, cool story, bro, and cuts his fucking head off. That's exactly how it went down. So Night Lord knew about his death. Or, I'm sorry, Night Haunter knew about his death. He knew when he was going to die. He knew about the assassination. It was coming. He knew all of the... Because like, they sent half of a Calidus fucking house after him. They just completely went all out. 
to go murder him. And he knew it was coming. He knew the assassin that was going to kill him. He knew everything about her. And he gave a big, long monologue about how he knew it was his time to go. He knew that it was okay for him to die because uh, it was kind of like the purest way to go. And he knew that... Well, he, he, he thought that it proved that the emperor was a hypocrite. Exactly. And it would basically be his final, like, I'm right, you're wrong, let's do this. Fuck you. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> so, and then he got killed, got assassinated, murdered. Uh, so, yeah. So, if you don't want to play Night Lords after that long explanation of how, like, <laughs> what their legions like, I don't know what would make you want to play Night Lords. <laughs> no, Conrad Curzon's own right's a beast, man. I mean, just, just being. If you just, like the heresy novels, they're one of the legions that it's written most extensively about. There's like, there's tons of stories that don't necessarily center on them, but they have like a sporting role in the books. Um, they're in Pharos. They're in all of the Imperium Secundus books. Um, they have their own 40k series, Night Lord series. Then there's an older book called Night Lords. That features uh, Zoe, the first captain, and then the Night Lords uh, series later on, done by Aaron Dimsky Bowden, is uh, centered around uh, Talos and his like squad of dudes. Um, so, and those 40k books really tie into the 30k ones. So, not only should you read the 30k ones, but definitely read the 40k ones too. Read that Night Lords book, and then read the uh, the the Night Lords trilogy by ADB. Absolutely. Definitely to get a feel for what the Legion is like. And I mean, really, if, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, after that, awesome. Like, this is probably my favorite Legion to talk about just because of, like, Ryan's explanation of what happened. Like, that was so, so good. Just thinking about the Night Lord just, like, running around in the air vents. Like, it's like all we know is he's somewhere on this particular continent of McCrag. <laughs> what are we going to do about it? I don't know. We're on a Space Marine homeworld. I don't know what we're going to do about this one dude. <laughs> Especially on McCrag, dude, because you know that Guillemin has that, like, big brother. Like, he's got a, like, London where there's just, like, closed circuit television everywhere. The other everywhere. thing you can do if you want, like, more detailed information, like just the cliff notes, go over to the Age of Darkness podcast um, and message uh, JP or Mark because they, they break down the novels extensively and find out what episodes they talk about, like Unremembered Empire and other stuff on it. And I can tell you, JP's very much like me. He's not a fan of Unremembered Empire. Uh, it's it's arguably the worst book in the Heresy book series. Um, me and JP go back and forth whether worst book A or worst book B is Damnation of Pythos or Unremembered Empire. We go <laughs> back and forth on that all the time. Um, but... Yeah. So anyway, but JP goes over it on the Age of Darkness uh, podcast, I'm sure, on the different Night Lords novels. So you can get more info there. Yeah, guys. Age of Darkness podcast. I think we recommend them every single Legion episode uh, because although I can rant about uh, wild things that I believe I know, uh, it it's probably 80% right. So if you want, if you want somebody who knows, really knows their fluff, Age of Darkness podcast. So. Anyway, so let's get on to the rules of playing Night Lord. So you want to move to a Night Lord's Legion, you want to play a Night Lord's Legion, uh, there's some rules you're going to have to know. So they come with some special rules 
Uh, that's what we're going to talk about. What you're going to need is you're going to need the Age of Darkness Legion book. Uh, they start on page 36. Uh, now, let's go ahead and... Huh. Okay. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the Night Lords. So, what special rules do they get? So, naturally, they get the Legion to start a special rule, which kind of all Space Marines get, which means that uh, they may always attempt to regroup with their normal leadership, regardless of casualties. Um, they have this... The special rule, a talent for murder. Uh, now, this means that any Night Lord's unit that outnumber their enemy by one or more, infantry, any infantry unit that outnumbers their enemy by one or more during any initiative step in which they fight an assault, they gain plus one to hit and plus one to wound. Uh, bulky models count as two models and very bulky models count as three models for the purposes of working out when Night Lords outnumber their victims. Uh, Ryan, you were just talking about the show. This is extremely powerful. Do you want to explain why it's so powerful? Well, anything that modifies dice rolls like, is extremely powerful because of the way core the core game mechanics work. They actually break down the core game mechanics to failure uh, depending on what you're doing, and it actually needs FAQ'd. Um, but the way it works is it's actually plus one to hit, and plus one to wound as long as you outnumber your opponent. And bulky guys count as two. You know, very bulky counts as three or whatever. So your units like bikes, jet bikes, uh, jump pack guys, and terminators um, are kind of your Night Lord's bread and butter units because each of those are going to count for multiple guys, so it's going to be easy to outnumber. Um, and, or you want to run large squads. So you don't want to take just like five veterans or five terror squad guys. You want to run as big a squad as you can because you want to give yourself this bonus as often as possible. Because if you get this bonus fighting other Marines, you're hitting on threes and wounding on threes just with normal weapons. You start giving them like power axes or if you have like a command squad or something that's weapon skill five or anything weapon skill five where you're already hitting on threes. Say you had like a command squad with power axes, you're hitting on twos, wounding on twos. I mean, it's pretty yeah. fucking good. You know what I mean? Now, where the, core, where the core game mechanics break down is, say I have a power fist, I'm wounding on a two anyway, but I get plus one to my roll. So if I roll a one, before I say, hey, I rolled a one, I modify that to a two. So did I roll a one or did I roll a two? Because the core game mechanics say, even though I rolled a one, I really rolled a two. So does that mean I just auto-wound? Nobody knows. It's never been answered. So <laughs> rules as rules as written currently, I guess you auto-wound. But we don't like playing it that way because it feels gamey just to be like, I hit you this many times with the power fist. I don't even need to roll dice because even if I roll ones, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so um, it doesn't affect the to-hit roll very often. Because typically, in Assault, the best you can get is a 3+, which this means it takes it to a 2. I don't think I've ever found an instance where you would hit hit on a 1 in Assault. Uh, or hit on a 2, which would then become a 1. So, um, it really is only on the Tawoon roll. And this is the same problem with the Blood Angels. The Blood Angels have half of this rule. They have the Tawoon version of it. Um... So the the Blood Angels suffer from the same problem in that it's not clear what happens when you roll a one. But regardless of that, it's a super powerful ability. Absolutely. I mean, just <laughs> I mean, just like you said, 
you're going to just auto murder people with your power fist most of the time. Yeah. If you get charged by a unit of uh, Night Lords jet bikes, you're going to have a bad time. Just expect to have that conversation if you're going to play Night Lords. Uh, just lay that out how that's how you're going to play that. Uh, it's just a it's a good conversation before you start you know being gamey. Just let your opponent know like, hey, I have this special rule. If I need twos to wound, uh, ones will fail. It's, if it's if you want to have a giant if you want to have a giant shit fight, uh, just play Night Lords and have your buddy play Ultramarines, and then you can endlessly fight and bicker on how fear works against a quote-unquote unmodified leadership value of 10 whatever that means does that mean you don't take any negatives to the fear check for all the <laughs> night lords things that give negatives because it says you take it on unmodified or does that mean it starts at 10 and then is modified what does that mean so you're going to have problems there and then when you finally punch the ultramarines with your power fist you're going to go well i'll a wound buddy and then he's going to be like no you rolled a one and then you can fight over that too so it's fun <laughs> on both sides so everybody definitely do that everybody has a good time <laughs> so the next special rule they have is nostrum and blood so that means all models with that rule fall back plus one inch further than normal uh if they fail a pinning test they may if the controlling player wishes fall back instead of becoming pinned just as if they had failed a morale check for taking casualties in the shooting phase uh, i've never seen that come up have you ever seen that come up the whole instead of being pinned running pinning just doesn't come up too often in games no, I mean, it can be advantageous depending on what's going on. Um, there are times when you're like in your opponent's deployment zone and then you maybe have objectives in the midfield and it actually makes, like, if it's their turn and you're going to get the very next turn and it's like the last turn of the game, for whatever reason they shoot you with something that you would become pinned, instead you can fail the morale check and get a bunch of free movement back towards the middle of the board and then rally at the beginning of your turn and then get more movement to get on an objective or something. So it's just something you keep in the back of your mind. It's not going to come up very often at all, but it is something you can potentially use to your advantage. Super situational. Super, super situational. So, yeah. Uh, the next next rule they have is night vision. All models of Night Lord's primary detachment, not just those with Legion of Star Night Lord's special rule, have the night vision special rule. So this is really good vision. because... This is really good because Night Lords have other ways to always make it night fight, essentially, so you're going to ignore it where your opponent's going to suffer the negatives. And also, uh, it's just, like in Zone Mortalis, it can be night fight for several turns of the game because the lights can go on and off. So it's more useful than what you would think it is. Yeah. Just Especially because this affects your vehicles as well. Yeah, it's every model. So, from the shadows is another rule they have. All models with a special rule have a cover save of 5-plus on the first game turn, even in open ground. This rule can be combined with the effects of stealth, etc. as normal, but other forms of cover the models might be in, which provide a higher save, supersede it. So this regardless. is super fucking annoying, because you'll have a unit with night vision. Um, yep. But it doesn't matter, because it's just a generic 5-up cover save. So, like, on the first turn of the game, it might be night fight anyway, which if it is night fight, which usually they can pick whether it is, they go from a five-up generic cover save and then they gain stealth, so they go up to a four-up generic cover save standing in the open. And then even if you have night fight, it doesn't totally get rid of it. It only takes it down to a five-plus. <laughs> so it's it's another... It's more powerful than what you would think. From the shadows, what a cool rule. 
Next one is Seeds of Descent. So if an army's warlord is slain, each unit in the army with this special rule makes must take an immediate morale check as if they had suffered 25% losses from shooting. Uh, okay. Is that any army warlord? That's their draw. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's their, their drawback. So like if they have warlord is slain. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. So like if they have Kurz in their army and you manage to kill him or whatever, um, everybody in their army has to take a break check. I gotcha. Okay. So that's one drawback. So that's going to be it for their special rules they get. Uh, once we start getting into more of the rights of war, you'll start seeing some, uh, uh, some of the rules Ryan's talking about always have a night fight and stuff like that. You'll start seeing that a little bit later, but until we get there, we're going to talk about some Legion specific war gear that they get. So let's start out with the Nostromen chain glaive. Uh, so any character that's an or independent character with the Legion Society's night Lord special rule is eligible to take a power weapon as this is part of their option. They can take a Nostromen Claim Blade for the same cost listed. Uh, so that's pretty much every character that's like apothecaries, fucking sergeants are characters. Um, who else are characters that not a lot of people realize are characters? Uh, apothecaries, sergeants, any Tech of the Marine. console choices. Yeah. Tech, Tech Marine. Yeah. Tech Marine. Something to look yeah. at, guys. A lot of people don't realize that whenever it says that, they think that it's probably limited to their HQ. No, pretty. Much, there's a ton of models that can have that. So just go look through books. This is, and he, this is one of those pieces of war gear. I wish it was just open to everybody in the army. Like anybody that could take power weapons could take a chain glaive. Kind of like how we haven't got there yet, but Night Raptors can take one of these on every model if they want. I mean, they pay points for it. Uh but I don't think this is like a super overpowered piece of war gear. I feel like this is something that you could, you know, open up to literally any model that has access to a power weapon can take this. Yeah, swap it out, load out a veteran squad with it, huh? Just yeah, crazy. I think I don't. Th I think it should be like on a unit. Like if you're going to put it on a unit, well, I mean, even on a unit, like veterans, I think they pay ten points per power weapon. So, I mean, yep. if you wanted to deck out an entire vet squad with it, you're paying 100 fucking points to get it. Every, like, I don't think that that's crazy or unbalanced. It's a two-handed weapon, so you're, you're losing the bonus attack, and it's just a, it's what, AP3 plus one strength with rending. Yeah. Yep. So that's what it is, guys. It's a plus one strength, AP3, melee, two-handed, rending. So yeah. uh, it's kind of like a power weapon, except you're getting the benefit of the added strength and you're getting the potential to be AP2 with a rending. So Yeah. And it's that initiative. I mean, it's not bad. It's it's pretty good, but it's not overpowered at all. The problem with it is most characters have access to better weapons than this. So it, I feel like it would be something that would benefit, like, like I said, I feel like it needs to be opened up to, like, units more than it does characters. Because, like... You're fucking pray you're never gonna take this over like a paragon blade. Like if you, just from a rule standpoint. I'm not saying like if you just really want to run chain glaze or like it for fluff reasons, by all means, it's not bad. It's in no way fucking holds a candle to like a paragon blade or something like that. Yeah, not a specialist weapon. I mean it's two handed, so you couldn't take anything with it anyway. It yeah. yeah. And it's so. locked into AP three. It's just Yeah, it's alright. It's not bad. 
I just wish it was available to more things. Absolutely. Yeah. Cuz like imagine same. a Terminator, imagine a Terminator squad with like you know, a couple chain fists and then a couple of these mixed in. How cool, cool that would be. Be dope. Yeah, especially with their uh their special rule. Yeah, Forge World if you're listening, if you just, you know, pop that change over that'd be awesome. <laughs> so. Uh, so the next thing on the list is that they have special, there's not any more weapons at this point, but the next thing that comes up is the teleportation transponder. Uh, any night Lords Terminator squad or night layer night Lords Legion command squad equipped with Terminator armor may be upgraded to have the deep striker roll for 15 points for the squad. Any night Lords independent character and Terminator armor may be upgraded to have deep strike plus 10 points. Uh, keep this in mind guys. Uh, especially if you're coming from 40 K where Terminators just deep strike, uh, this isn't something that normally comes with Terminators. Uh, it's pretty rare, actually. Uh, Imperial Fists have it. Uh, Sons of Horus can get deep striking, and if you take Perturabo, uh, Iron Warriors can get it. I believe... Orbital Assault unlocks it for your Terminators. Yeah, yeah. Orbital... Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, pure Legion rules, not Rites of War. Oh. Um, uh, you can only get it without taking, like Derek said, orbital assault. But then you're locked into only taking like drop pods and deep striking. Um, so without having tons of other restrictions, the only way to get it is Imperial Fist, Night Lords, Sons of Horus, and Iron Warriors that I can think of off the top of my head. Absolutely, I really like the ideas of a deep striking Terminator Night Lord army. If only they could get that first turn deep strike, it'd be awesome. Uh, the next thing that they can take that no other Legion can take is the Trophies of Judgment. Uh, so any independent character can adorn themselves with Trophies of Judgment for plus five points, uh, gaining the Fear Special Rules. So this is what we were talking about earlier. Uh, I don't think we ever talked about it. I don't think we ever touched base on Kurz, uh, but Kurz adorns himself with uh, flayed skin, bones, and the like blood of his enemies to terrify anybody he runs up to. Some grim shit. Yeah, because if, if that and runs he's up like, on you, he does fear checks at like minus two or minus three. We'll get when we get there. We'll talk. I think it's minus two. Yeah, but this is letting you give this to your to your uh, independent characters so they can adorn themselves with like heads and stuff and skin and all that jazz, which will cause fear uh, to to the enemy. Uh, like Ryan, it's said, only five here. points. It, it's only five points here. It's it's really not bad. It's it's shitty in Terror Assault where it's like we'll get there once again, but it's like a ton of points. It's like twenty five fucking points or something to give. <laughs> your like it's it's ridiculous, but five points isn't bad. Um, it at least makes them roll some dice. It's good. I found it's better if you can somehow stack it with something that also does blind. So, like, say you had breachers with defensive grenades where you can throw them and do a blind check, and then you also have fear because it makes them essentially take two different types of checks. So you're basically stacking those abilities where both of them have a very similar effect, but it makes them take two different types of checks to uh, avoid them being weapon skill, ballistic skill one. So it gives it basically, you know, like I said, two chances of it happening. So if you can somehow manage to stack it with blind, it makes it a lot better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that I mean that's going to be it for special special mo- special gear that they get special equipment. Uh moving into 
special units they get. The first one is going to be an elite choice. It's going to be the Terror Squad. Uh, so the Terror Squad is 125 points. It's basically the normal stat line of a Space Marine, which is the four weapon skill, four bullet skill, four strength, toughness four, one wound, four initiative. Uh, now they get two attacks each, leadership nine with three up save. They're power armored uh, model. They're a veteran squad. They're they're basically yeah. the Night Lord specific vets. They have a veteran stat line. Absolutely. What makes them real cool is now they come standard with bolt pistol, chainsword, and com- or combat blade, frag crack grenades. Uh, but they also come with fear, infiltrate, preferred enemy infantry, and profi- precision strikes. Uh, so I mean that out. They the have gate, precision shots too. They added it on the FAQ, so they have strikes yeah. and shots. Yeah. So they are a uh, a cranked up to eleven veteran squad. Uh, now some well, of the things they could. So they're not. They're basically, what are they, how many points are they for an additional guy? You said they're 125 base. How much are they 15 for? 15 points. 15 points for each additional executioner. Okay, so they're basically, because vets, I think, are, what, they're, this, they were basically priced the same as vets before vets got the points drop. Yeah. So these guys probably need to see the same, because essentially when you look at these guys, they're veterans that essentially have their quote-unquote veteran skill pre-selected. They're, are, they're same stats as vets and all that, but instead of being able to pick a veteran skill, they essentially come pre-programmed with infiltrate preferred enemy and fear. Yeah, but preferred enemy, when you outnumber a unit, man, that gets pretty wild at that point. Right, because like Michael said, when you combine this with your Legion special rule where you get plus one to your to wound roll, and now all of a sudden you're re-rolling ones, so it's like, say you have a power axe, you're, you're wounding on a three normally, which then goes to a two, so the only way you fail is a one, and then you're getting to re-roll those ones. And then your say your weapon skill four with these guys, you would hitting normally on fours, which then goes to a three, so you only miss on ones or twos, but then you're getting to re-roll any of the ones. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah, the only thing about this unit that would be different than veterans is it can't take any combi weapons, and... Uh... No bombs. No on the bombs. You can't take any of the uh, any of the power weapons like the veteran squad can. Um, it's just you can take a you can also take a bolt gun. You can also take a heavy chain blade. You can also take a Volkite charger, uh, and you can also these are on every model. These on every model. Yes, by the way, model. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, any model in the squad may also take one of the following. And a rotor cannon or flamer, one model in the unit only can take that. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of it's not like it's not as versatile as what a veteran choice would be, but I mean it's still I mean it's still these not are bad. these are purely these can kill other basic infantry better than any loadout you can give a vet squad, but they don't have the flexibility of also being able to threaten vehicles like veterans do. Yeah, exactly. So and they unit. they. In my opinion, they need a points drop because they used to be priced the exact same as vets because, like I said, they're essentially a specialized veteran unit that has pre-selected choices. Uh, Veterans got a points drop, and these guys didn't. They probably need to match up with veteran points costs. Yeah, they definitely also need some sort of uh, implacable advance as well. Yeah, that's the other... So the the reason that these guys, a lot of people... 
like if you talk to Night Lords players or like me that plays against them all the time, the reason these guys are kind of not taken as often as they should be or kind of looked down on, they don't score. Um, they're probably slightly too many points. They're not like criminally overpriced or whatever. You can definitely take them and not worry about it. They're you're not going to notice like a huge like, you know, if you take a unit of these guys. You're not like digging yourself a hole you can't get out of. That makes any sense. Like it's not a big deal. Right. Um, their problems are they don't score. They're very inflexible on what they can go after. They're pretty much a dedicated anti-infantry unit. They don't really do anything else well. You're not killing jets with them. You're not killing armor with them. You're, you're pretty much just focusing on infantry. Um, and their other problem is they don't have an option for a really cheap transport. If you notice, they do not have an option for a rhino. I think they can only take dread claws. Yeah, that's right. The Terra squad. So is a dread claw drop pod as a dedicated transport. That's it. So the weird thing about that. So the dread claws are really good transport. So it's kind of odd because a lot of things like that's, that's a fairly rare transport just to get us dedicated. Uh, I think in most armies, only terminators get that. Um, and, and some, yeah, so just Terminators. Horus. Well, I, yeah, I said most armies, but yeah. yeah. So I'm talking like, so Sons of Horus have where they get it for a lot of things, but Night Lords get it for these guys, which is, it's cool in a way, uh, but it would be nice for them to have access to a Rhino because the other thing is a lot of the Rites of War will say any unit that has access to a Rhino can now take X transport instead. Um, so like drop pod assault or orbital assault, the one that gives you storm eagles is dedicated. Like all those, you're basically swap your rhino selection out for whatever this new transport option is. So these guys don't ever get that benefit because they don't have access to a rhino to begin with. So it hurts them more than it initially appears. Yeah, hundred percent. So, I mean, when you're really looking at the only way to dead, what only way to transport them is going to be through that dread claw. It's it is an expensive unit because you're not going. to... I mean, you could infiltrate it. You can always infiltrate them, but I yeah, mean, at that point, it, like I said, it's it, the main problem with it is is just so focused in on anti infantry, and there are so many things in the game that are anti infantry. Like almost anything can be used as anti infantry. So it's like, why would I spend all these points for a unit that doesn't score? That's just solely dedicated to this. So they're definitely a usable unit, but it's one of those you don't want to run a lot of them. Like you really only want maybe one squad in your army. Um, and we'll get to it later on, but that's one of the reasons Terror Assault is, you know, not great. So what these guys really work well in is Zone Mortalis. Because in Zone Mortalis, because they're elites, they gain scoring automatically. And because Zone Mortalis centers mostly around infantry, these guys really shine. So these are one of those units that shine more in like tactical strike zone mortalis and centurion so it's it's better in alternate modes of play than just the regular game absolutely i mean that's probably as good of a breakdown as you can get for terror squad like if you were confused on whether or not you should take them that's probably the ultimate rundown of terror squads so yeah i mean in in most scenarios you'd be better off taking vets if you're just looking at it from a pure like rules perspective 
vets are a better choice than these guys in almost every situation. Um, but like I said, if you just want to throw like if you're running, you know, say you're running like drop salt Vanguard night Lords, you know, you could run a unit of these guys in a dread claw and it's not going to, it's definitely not going to take anything for, away from your list. And it's going to be fluffy as long as you have another enough anti-tank throughout the rest of the list. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the next special unit is the Night Raptor Squad. 150 points. Now, Night Raptor Squad is coming in at weapon skill 5, so that's a little bit different than your normal uh, your normal boys. So hitting yep. on threes with by, without numbering people because these guys are bulky. Uh, that means that they're going to be coming in. Hitting on twos. Hitting on twos. Uh, so that's going to weapon skill 5. Uh, the they get normal one tack apiece. Uh, everything else is just standard marine profile. Uh, now these guys have power armor, bolt pistol, chainsaw, or combat blade, but they also come with a jump pack, frag and crack grenades, uh, and they also have the special rule onslaught, which means in any turn in which a model with this rule charges into combat, it gains D three extra attacks rather than the usual plus one. Uh, in the case of a unit with multiple models with this rule, roll once and apply the result to each model in the entire unit. So that's extremely powerful when you're looking at uh, hitting with weapon skill 5. You're outnumbering the unit, so you're going to be hitting on 2s on most of the time. Uh, then you're strength 4, but that's going to be hitting on 4s normally, which if you outnumber them, you'll be hitting on 3s. So it's it's a it's a pretty beefcake little unit there at 150 points. It's 20 points to add an additional 10. Like if you, it's 20 points apiece for additional Night Raptors. Uh, any model can exchange their Chainsword Combat Blade for Power Weapon, an Osterman Tanglave, or a single Lightning Claw. Uh, so this is one of those units you can sneak in a number of Nostromin Tanglaves. Uh, for every five models in the squad, you can exchange the Bolt Pistol for a Flamer, Melty Gun, Plasma Gun, Plasma Pistol, Heavy Hand Flamer. Uh, alternatively, any model may exchange both their bolt pistol and chainsword combat blade for a pair of lightning claws. So, uh, you can run around with a lightning claw wielding ridiculous unit. Um, the head, the hunt master, which is kind of like the sergeant of the unit can take a Volkite Serpentia, a hand flamer, a plasma pistol, or he can take, and he can take, uh, melt bombs and artificer armor. So, uh, not a lot in this unit that can deal with heavy armor as far as hitting it wise, except for that melt bomb. But this seems like another anti-infantry killing unit. Like it's it's exactly what the, it the is. biggest issue with these is they're when you buy that first five guys, they're essentially thirty points a fucking model for an assault marine. That's weapon skill five that may get a few extra attacks. May because it's random. So you could roll a one or a two. You have one third of the time. You're just an assault marine, you know. So um, <laughs> unless you can see the future, boys, good. Like, like Conrad Kurz. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The rules aren't terrible. Th this is one of those units that they were priced when assault marines were ridiculously overpriced, and compared to assault marines at the time, these guys were okay. But, but they were still overpriced because Assault Marines were overpriced. Assault Marines got a huge points drop in the last Red Book, and then these guys are still stuck at the same. So these guys are not great. They're not in good shape. Because if you compare them to Assault Marines, they don't score. Uh, assault Marines have access to melt-bombs on every guy. 
which makes them a dual threat against infantry and tanks. Um, and they're a core troops choice where these guys eat up your fast attack slot, which fast attack slots are pretty like good in a night Lord's army. They're, they're one of those slots you you covet. Um, so this is one of those. It's like, it's hard to tell people to take these over normal assault Marines. Yeah. Just because they're so, I mean, just like almost compartmentalized. Like they are good at one thing and one thing only versus like any other unit out there. Uh, unfortunately, it just, it, it, it's just pretty much the the whole Night Lord's force in general. All their special units are just really good at killing infantry. Well, the thing is that the unit that this compares to that cl- more, most closely is a core troops choice that anyone can take. Um, that can also take advantage of the Night Lords. Uh, they're, they, because Assault Marines are still bulky, so they're still likely to get the Night Lord special rule to kick in. Now, they aren't weapon skill 5, so they're not likely to hit as often. They also don't get the bonus to the attacks, but you can get an assault marine with a melt bomb on it for cheaper than you can get a night raptor. I'll take that versatility to be able to kill anything I want and the ability to score and the ability to be one of my two compulsory troop choices I have to take before I can unlock other stuff over just getting a few extra attacks and being solely dedicated to killing infantry. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Absolutely, man. Like, uh, it, it's just, you wanted the truth, man. If you're a Night Lord player, you're looking to play Night Lords. That is the fucking truth. Like, that is that's how the cookie crumbles. You, you man. rarely, you rarely, if ever, see these guys because of those issues. Most people, if you really like the models, just buy the Night Raptor models and run them as assault marines. Um, and then yeah. hopefully, at some point when the next Red Book comes out or whatever, yeah, that these guys get changed up, swap. You know, they they get a buff of some kind. And honestly, you like if you're going to be playing assault marines, the only thing, you know, you, there's nothing stopping you from modeling using the Night Raptor models to make assault marines, other than the Nostrum and Chain Glaives, because that's kind of a cool deal uh, that they can all take them. Uh, yeah, but it, it's uh, like you can model up using the Night Raptor uh, models to make your assault marines. There's nothing wrong with that. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, when Night Lords are revisited here coming up with the Angelus book. Uh, no, not Angelus. It's uh, it's now... Book 9? Yeah, book 8. No, it's, thought... book, it's book 8, but they changed the name to, like, Maleficence or yeah. Malice. Something I don't know like what that. the fuck it is. Anyway, yeah, they're still in book 8, so hopefully some of Malevolence? those... Malevolence? Is it Malevolence? Malevolence. It's something. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's fine. Yeah, I can never remember if they got pushed to book nine with Dark Angels or if they're still in book eight. They're still in book eight. So. Are you sure? I thought so. I thought they were still in book eight. I'm pretty confident they're still in book eight. We'll probably get I thought it wrong. was. I thought it was Alpha Legion, Space Wolves, uh, Blood Angels, and Demons, and Dark, and, uh, and White Scars. And then I thought Night Lords and Dark Angels are in book nine. Oh, I want to say I looked this up the other day and was proven wrong. I can't remember exactly what I thought the other day, but just assume that I'm perpetually wrong. And that's typically historically, that's a safe bet to take. So regardless, <laughs> regardless, if you like expect an update pretty soon, I mean, night Lords are going to get revisited here in the future. Uh, whether it's the end of 2018 or the end of 2020, we'll find out. Uh, but I mean, 
it, when if you're looking at just now starting a Night Lord's army, it's something to consider when you're when you're collecting your models and getting your models ready. Yeah. So, anyway, next special unit they get is going to be an HQ slot. This is going to be the Flame Master Modern Modrim Lush High. I don't know. Lansa High. Lansa High. I don't see this dude in any fucking army ever, so I'm pretty sure he's not. Well, great, they don't make so. a model for him, but he's actually not bad. I mean, he's not like he can't be your warlord. He's got a special rule where he can't be your warlord. Um, but I mean, he's like a he's all right. He's basically like a Primus Medicae equivalent. If you go yeah, through his rules, so, kind of reminds so, me of the uh, the Repo Man from Repo. <laughs> so he's 135 points. He's a fallen Primus Medicae of the Night Lords. Uh, he's also called the Smiling One or Bloody Bones. Uh, he comes with some uh, pretty nice stat line. He's got weapon skill 5. He's got blood skill and strength 4. Toughness 4. He's got 2 wounds. He's initiative 5. 2 attacks. Leadership 9. He's got a 3-up save because he has power armor. He has a refractor field. He's going to give him that 5-up save. Frag crack grenades. He's got an architect pistol. He's got Rick Jaka, which is his going to be his, uh, his scapel. It's like a long-bladed scapel. Of unknown origin, and then he's got the Narthosium. Uh, so Rek Jaka is giving him a minus one strength, so it's gonna be strength three, AP three. Uh, but it's also melee murder strike. It's a specialist weapon, and uh, that murder strike is gonna give him uh, attacks with this special rule calls instant death on a wound to roll of six. Rolls roll any viable save against this instant death causing wound separately to any other wounds the attack inflicts. Uh, so this goes back to the Night Lord special rule. If you roll a five to wound, but then you get plus one to wound, and it technically goes to a six, does that count? No absolutely. one knows. <laughs> uh, so special rules rule is written. Wise, it does, but you're gonna get in arguments because you rolled a five, and everybody's gonna go, "Yo, you rolled a five. and it's like, "No, I rolled a five, but it changes to a six before it counts. So I technically rolled a six. I technically just. But then you get it. But then you get into some weird shit because if you roll a six. And it changes to a seven. Did you did you roll a six? Did you roll a seven? Because <laughs> it says it only works on a six. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! Welcome to Evil Ryan's laugh. <laughs> this That's is what happens laugh. when you write things that break down the core mechanics of the game and then refuse to address it. Exactly. Uh, so special rules wise, he has the fearless special rule, uh, and he also has he causes fear. And he has a special rule called the Devil's Luck, which means uh, fear and distrust even amongst his own legion. Lansahai has survived both enemy action and attempts on his own life by his comrades. Seemingly often by sheer chance alone, this has only enhanced to Primus Medicaid's Dark Renode. Lansahai may re-roll failed lookout sirs and feel no pain rolls. So, It's uh, pretty good because if, if he takes a wound... That would ignore his armor. He gets a five up, five up, five up, as long as it's not instant death, or it would ignore feel no pain, because you get your five up actor field and a five up feel no pain followed by a five up feel no pain reroll. So he gets a five up, five up, five up, which is pretty fucking good. It's hard to kill him. He's a hard to kill motherfucker. It's hard to get those two wounds on him. Although he doesn't have Eternal Warrior, so if you stack him with anything strength eight, he's gonna feel it. Yep. Uh. He's also unfit for command, guys, which Lahansai may not be taken as a compulsory HQ choice uh, and may never be its warlord, even if Night Lords have their limits of toleration for madness. So, yep, unfit for command. 
So would you ever take this over a normal Primus Medicaid? Like, is this guy the way to go if you're going to be taking a Primus Medicaid anyway? Is he a guy that you'd swing he's pretty, in there? He's pretty equivalent because a Primus Medicaid with zero war gear is 95 points. So this guy's only 45 points more, and you're getting the refract field, which would be a 10-point upgrade. Um, you're getting the re-roll feel no pain thing, which is actually and the lookout, sir, which is going to keep him alive longer, which is... So if somebody shoots you with precise shots or dumps a Scorpius fucking whirlwind on your Primus Medicaid's head, you know, where it's barrage, um, being able to re-roll your lookout, sir, and all that stuff will keep this guy alive longer. Um, the major drawback to this guy is you can't choose his war gear. So, like, where a normal path carrier or whatever, you can give him a jump pack or a bike to put him in multiple units. This guy's just on foot, so he's fairly limited to what you can attach him to. So... I mean, if you're if you're buying a Primus Medicaid to um, put into a unit of like Terminators or whatever, this guy's not, you know, it's not bad. I mean, you're you're basically just getting the pre-selected war gear. So if you can live with the war gear choices that this guy has, you're getting the benefit of that re-roll, feel no pain re-roll, uh, lookout, sir, which will keep him alive longer, maybe than a normal Primus Medicaid would, to keep that yeah. save going longer. I gotcha. The only real drawback is the inability to grab himself some artifice or armor, so he's not going to be tanking shots or anything like that. He's definitely like a stand-in-the-back kind of guy, especially like, yeah. you know. The other thing that is weird that people, I even, I kind of hate putting this out there because it is fucking gamey, and I hate it, and I don't do it, but technically rules is written, this guy's not a console, so there's a lot of rights award that limit you to one console. Even though this guy's a Primus Medicaid stand-in, he doesn't like have anything in his rules other than in his title, which isn't a game turn term. So you could technically take, you know, whatever character to unlock a right of war, then take your one console and then sneak this guy in as well and kind of get three, you know, two consoles when you're only supposed to have one. I don't oh, like it. Bam. That's how it is. Well, then there's also the question of: Is a fallen Primus Medicaid a Primus Medicaid? Who knows at that point? It's an epic question. Kate question, boys. I mean, it seems like that title in, of, so in and of itself specifies that he is not a Primus Medicaid. Well, but it's it's specifically the right of war say can only have one console, and this guy's obviously not a console. You don't go to the console section of the book to select him. Yeah. And there's no rule that says he counts as a console or that he's treated as a console. So. Yeah, I would... Uh, I would... If I was a betting man and I was playing my cards, I wouldn't buy more than prim one Primus Medicaid model if uh, <laughs> if I was playing Night yeah. Lords. <laughs> like I said, I don't play that way and I don't like it, but I know there there are people that do that with some of these characters. In Rights of War that limit you to one uh, console, they'll just find a special character as a stand-in and throw them in to get around that. For sure. So moving on to the next special character that they get in the HQ slot uh, the first man to say death of the false emperor uh, Sevatar himself Jago Sevatarian so Sevatar is 175 points he's weapon skill 7 out the gate because god knows he needed that ballistic skill 5 strength 4 toughness 4 3 wounds initiative 6 he's got 4 attacks and leadership of 9 this dude's rocking around in power armor for God knows why. He's got an iron halo, frag and crack grenades. He's mastercrafted his Nostrum and chain glaive. He's got a bolt pistol. 
He's got he's the master he's got the master of Atramatar. Uh he's got trophies of judgment on him, special rules wise, he's an independent character. He's got the master of the legion, so he can take uh he can take rights of war. He's also got the dirty fighter special rule, the repressed Siger special rule, and he's also got precision strikes. Uh now the warlord trait, if he's chosen as your warlord, means he gets the master of ambush warlord trait. Uh so so rather than rolling randomly, it means that all friendly outflanking units have the acute sense of special rule while Subatar is alive. Um, Master of the Etramentar, uh, Night Lords, Legion Terminators, and Terminator Command Squads from the same detachment as Subatar who deep strike will not scatter as long as they are placed within six inches as they deploy. So uh, six inches of Subatar as they deploy. So if, when he pops in... They, he, all of his Terminators get to deep strike around him and surround him like some bosses. He's also got the Dirty Fighter rule, which means Sevatar is one of the most dangerous hand-to-hand combatants in his or any other Legion. He gains instant death special rule for his attacks, in addition to any from his weapons when fighting in a challenge. You don't think he's the most dangerous hand-to-hand combat in any other Legion? No. No. He's fucking AP3, three-up armor save schmo. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. No Eternal Warrior either. That dude with the scalpel could kill him. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get... Anyway, we'll, are you done reading his rules so we can no, get no. to the... Why I, well, all Night Lords players, every time you bring this guy up, go... <laughs> like, <laughs> Just in case you had nothing else to worry about with his AP3 armor. He's also a repressed psyker. He's a level 1 psyker with a precognition psychic power from the divination discipline. However, he has long repressed such abilities which are more than more often used subconsciously rather than direct will. You will not use more than two warp charges from your pool to use in order to use his repressed psychic ability and a modified leadership of 7 should be used and if should he become subject to a perils of the warp uh, so it, this is kind of weird. So he's a level one psyker. So if there's any sisters running around, you're going to have a bad time. You're going to have a bad time. Also, also if anyone else, like if anyone else has psychic stuff on their army, I don't know of anyone that just stops at level one that starts taking psychic stuff. Like at a minimum, they're going to have a level two. Um, which means that basically this guy, because he can only throw two warp charges at his power. And if he ends up, and a lot of times he's only the only psyker in your army, this fucking power rarely ever works for this guy. Because you only get two dice to throw at it, and you ha- you have to hope that one of those two dice comes up a four, and then when you do, your opponent just rolls like a giant handful of fucking dice because they get whatever psychic powers they have, or levels, plus whatever the D6 rolled, and they just throw all those, and they just need usually one six to shut it off. It's It's... It it doesn't work, and then if you if you run it, God forbid you run into like Thousand Sons or Word Bearers or uh, you know somebody running like multiple like somebody playing White Scars or whatever where they take two librarians in an army or something like you, it's just you'll never get a you'll never get this thing to work. Yeah, it's one of those. Uh, I mean, in in all fairness, really not a whole bunch of people take psychers in in Horus Heresy. It's not everywhere, so it is one of those good things where if you're playing multiple games, there's more than likely probably two thirds of your game you're not going to play a psyker. One third, I mean, and 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 a good token is because you are a traitor legion, 
the only other legion you'd probably have to guarantee worry about would be like a white scars legion or something like that. Whereas like you'll have well, even they don't have like the only the only loyalist legion that has access to more psychers than normally, strangely, is Salamanders because they have a a chaplain character that's a level one, and then they can that's compulsory, and then they can take two level two, so that they can get up to five mastery level, um, which is the highest of any loyalist legion to start with. Um, but like you said, it's like an extra liability if somebody even has just like one sister squad, they'll just murk this dude. <laughs> He's fucked. He's dead. <laughs> like don't even. Don't even put them on the table. If you're playing an but all sisters no army, other, even with no other psychers on the board, like you're, there's going to be times you roll those two dice and just don't get a four. This is not going to work. <laughs> and then there's like most of the time that you do, it's only going to be one success. And then whatever the random d6 roll is, you know your opponent's going to have three or four dice, and then they're going to throw all those dice at it because he's usually your only psyker, and they just need one six usually to shut it off. So it's just. It's just one of those things. It's just not. It's so fucking. You can't just can't count on it at all. Sorry, Sevatar. You were you were cool. Model, but like, the the main reason people throw a fit is because he's a first captain, and he only has artifice. He doesn't even have artificer armor. He's just a fucking power armored schmo, which makes zero sense. And then, in. The stories, he stands toe-to-toe with Sizigmund, and they fight for, like, a long fucking time, and then Sevatar basically cheats and get dis- dis- gets disqualified by headbutting him. But, that being said, Sizigmund is supposedly, like, the greatest duelist in all the Space Marine Legions, and his rules clearly represent that, and this guy's supposed to be, like, you know, 1B, and is, like, supposed to be able to easily defeat not easily, but be like, would be the best duelist if not for Sizigmund. And I, I mean, I would put Sizigmund against five, six, seven of this model. Like, if somebody wanted to like fight six, six Sevatars against one fucking Sizigmund, I'll, I'll take that. I think Sizigmund fucking rocks our world. Mm. Poor Sevatar. <laughs> Just another unfortunate. Sizzleman has instant death and eternal warrior, so Sevatar Sevatar can't instant death Sizzleman. Sizzleman has four wounds, so Sevatar's three, and Sizzleman, every one of his attacks has instant death, so he just fucking touches, as soon as Sevatar fails a single save, he's just removed, and also Sizzleman makes you re-roll successful invul saves, so if he doesn't have his psychic power on, uh, he basically has to roll a four up followed by another four up or he's dead. And then even if he does have the psychic power on because the rerolls cancel each other out, you can't reroll a reroll. You're basically just getting the, you know, the save one time. Uh, <laughs> man, it's, it's going to be rough to touch him because of his weapon skill seven. Like that's going to be, that's his only like saving grace, but that three up save does not do him any justice. Like it's just not, it's not helping him. Uh, rule of cool well, I mean, wise, soft, are you running his? Huh? I mean, he's like doesn't have digital lasers. He doesn't. He's got a two-handed weapon, so he's just four attacks with AP three rending. Like, <laughs> like, whatever, bro. Like, here's a couple cataphractic terminators. Oh, power fist. Oh, you failed a four up. You're fucking removed. My thirty-five point model. He's just not. So in your in your mock night lord army, are you taking Sevatar as your warlord? 
No. Okay. So there you go, Nightlord players, new Nightlord players. Well, once again, if you love this dude's fluff and you just want to actually play him and use his rules, like, who am I to tell you not to take him? That being said, just build your own fucking Praetor and use the model and say it's Sevatar, but just run him as a fucking generic Praetor with a Paragon Blade and fucking give him Artificer Armor and Hell, you can give him whatever. a Mushroom Chain Glaive, too, if you want. Just hang it on his back. You can give him both. <laughs> yeah, whatever. All I'm saying is, like, this guy, he should... There's no reason that this guy's rules are the way they are. They don't represent how cool he is in the fluff at all. Yeah. You want to talk about Karen Ophion of the Chiroptera? Yeah, lead, lead this that. Like good. This is this is the best of their character of their three characters, in my opinion. Rules so wise, all of uh, all of their characters so far have been from uh, the Legions book. Yep. Uh, this one comes out of book six. So he's going to be a the captain of the 39th company. So he comes in at weapon skill 6, ballista skill 5, strength 4, toughness 4, 3 wounds, initiative 5, 4 attacks, leadership 10 with a 3 up save. He's got the bloody Igis, a power axe, a refractor field, a volkite serpenta, power armor, melta bombs, and frag and crack grenades. Uh, the bloody Igis... Is going to be, it boosts his invulnerable save to a 3 plus in close combat. In addition, any model that targets him with one or more attacks in an assault and scores an unmodified 1 on at least one of those dice has its weapon skill halved when targeted by any of his closest combat attacks until the beginning of the next game turn. So, for his special Which is, rules... It, we'll get to that and why that wording, for one, gives you a fucking headache to listen to it because it's goddamn rules diarrhea. But it also, depending on what the turn order is, is either it really good or, or not very good <laughs> because it's worded poorly. Yeah. Anyway, so go ahead. He also, for specials, he has Master of the Legion, so he can take uh, Rights, of War. Rights of War. He's an independent character. He's got the Coward, and he has a Warlord trait. So if he's selected as your Warlord, he gets the Aberrant Bravery trait rather than rolling randomly. So what that gives him is as long as the as long as Ophion's controlling player has less victory points than his opponent, Ophion and any Nightlord units within 12 inches of him gain the stubborn special rule. And additionally, the controlling player may always choose to re-roll or have his opponent re-roll any failed dice to to determine if the game continues for another turn. Huh. That's good. Really really good. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Basically they call this dude the coward to piss him off because he's like stupid and keeps the opposite. fighting when he's not supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. So what is that? He's like the one mean? brave night lord. Yeah, yeah. The coward so, rule is really good. So the coward, as long as he's lost a single wound, he has feel no pain four up. And if he has a single remaining wound, it instead goes to a three up feel no pain. Wow. Yeah. And remember, he's got a three up in power axe. And remember, he's got a three up invol in close combat. So this guy's going to be uh, a three up invol in close combat and then once he takes a wound he's a three up four up and then once he takes two wounds he's a three up three up yeah as long as you're not instant as long as you don't have something doubling him out or inflicting instant death and does he have eternal warrior no oh be cool if he did yeah i mean he'd be a beefcake if they did that dude can fight sevatar easily <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> i really don't <laughs> so get back to his fucking the bloody Aegis thing, because it's actually a strong ability, but it really depends on turn order. 
Yeah, so <clears throat> that's the one where if somebody attacks him and then rolls a one on at least one of their attack dice. If they target him with attack. So if they roll a one on there to hit, is that what it says? Yeah. Yeah. Then their weapon skill becomes halved when they're targeted by Ophion's attacks until the beginning of the next right. game turn. So if so basically if you roll to hit him and roll a one, then he's going to hit you back easier. Now the problem is it says the next game turn. So say I'm playing Derek and second. he's playing Space Wolves <laughs> and, and I'm going and he went first and now I get the second game turn. So on it's my turn, it's the top of turn two and I charge in and what's what's his initiative? He goes at initiative one. Yeah, because of power axe. So so that's the only saving grace because if Derek swings at me if he has something that swings at initiative and rolls a one, because I'm always going to fight at the bottom of the turn order, I get to then treat him as half weapon skill. So I'm almost always hitting him on threes. And then maybe if, if I outnumber, then it would go to a two because of the night Lord's rule. Now, the thing is, if I go first, because it's till the next game turn, if I took the first turn, it's going to be during my turn. And then during the next assault phase that happens during Derek's turn. Whereas if, if it happens, if I go in the second turn order, I'm only maybe going to get the bonus during my turn if I assault, but then as soon as the new game turn happens, it goes away before Derek takes his next turn. Yeah. Right. And if, 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 and if I'm fighting an opponent that's only initiative one, where we fight it simultaneously, this and I go at the bottom of the turn order, this rule never works. Because we fight simul, so even though you may have rolled a one because it's it doesn't matter because it's happened simultaneously. And then as soon as that turn ends, it goes to the next game turn and it goes away. So it's, it's really, it should be, it stays that way. Well, or till the beginning of, or till the end of this guy's controlling players, next player turn. Yeah. Till the end of the the beginning of, yeah, or something. Basically it needs to be reworded where it lasts two assault phases. Always. Yeah. What's how many points is he? He is coming in at 165 points. Yeah, that's a good, that's a solid HQ choice right there. Yeah, he's not bad. Yep. He's not bad at all. Rock and roll, man. So there's a winner for you. You can take him, throw that Flame Master in his unit, have a good time. Actually, that Flame Master wouldn't do anything. It wouldn't benefit at all because with his coward roll, he's... Well- it would benefit him before he lost his first wound. So he'd have a five up feel no pain for his first wound, then a four up feel no pain for his second wound, then a three up feel no pain for his third wound. Yeah. He'd be dirty. But he can get that from any private spade, okay? Yeah. Or normal pop carry. Uh, I think that's the only like special thing that they get in uh, book six. Dude. This guy's cool in the fluff. This guy's so, cool in the fluff, anyway. too. Next up, the he man shows up himself. in a couple of the novels. Do what? I said this guy's really cool in the fluff too. He shows up in a couple of novels, and he's got like I like him. Yeah, I don't know enough about him, but I like the idea that there's some dude who's actually a decent guy, and everybody calls him a coward to piss him off. <laughs> Fuck yeah! So last but not least on special units, the man himself, Conrad Kurz. So this dude's 435 points. Uh, he's coming in at weapon skill 8, blood skill 6, strength 6, toughness 6, 6 wounds, 
Initiative seven, strength eight, eight, five attacks, leadership ten, two up save. Uh, so his war gear, he's got a jump pack. Uh, I'm sorry, he's jump infantry out the gate. He's got a nightmare mantle. He's got mercy and forgiveness. Those are his lightning claws. Uh, he's got the widow makers, which is little uh, throwing daggers. Throwing daggers. And he's got his frag grenades. Uh, special rules wise, he's got the Primarch special rule, which means he has independent character, Master Legion, Eternal Warrior, Fear, Adamantium Will, Fleet, Fearless, It Will Not Die, Precision Strikes, Precision Shots. Every Primarch has all that. He's also got the Sire of the Night Lords, the King of Terrors. He's Shrouded, which is plus two to your cover. And he's also Stealth, which is plus one to your cover. So uh, he's stacking those bad no, boys. And those confer to any unity joints, by the way. Yeah, so uh, pretty bonkers <laughs> if you're jinking in a jet bike unit or a outrider unit. Um, or you're just fucking night lords and you start on the board with a five up fucking cover save that's generic and it jumps to a two up cover save in the open. Yeah, this man is so stealthy he could be inside your ship and you wouldn't be able to find him. <laughs> just yep. running around in the damn vents and shit. They probably wouldn't be able to find him in that fucking drop pod. <laughs> yeah, for real. He's also bulky, so do with that what you may. Uh, so his first rule... Also because jump infantry, the only transport he can go in is a Stormbird. So don't think you're going to put him in. Like, I've seen so many Night Lords list where this guy's in the Spartan, and that's illegal, folks. He is jump Nick. infantry. Jump infantry cannot be transported in any vehicle in all of Heresy except for Stormbird. Um, I maybe a Thunderhawk, but I'm pretty sure just a Stormbird. That's right. Negative Ghost Rider. So he is the Sire of the Night Lords, which means Conrad Curse has a night vision and acute special rules, and a force containing him as its warlord may always elect to have the first turn of any game use the night fighting rule. A Night Lord's Force with Conrad Kurz as its Warlord gains the Fear Special Rule for all of its units. Quit with yawning. With Legion, Astartes, Night Lord's Special Rule. And affected units, all which already have the Fear Special Rule, now impose a minus one penalty on the leadership value of enemy units when re- when testing for fear against them. So, it's pretty, pretty baller. Yep. Especially that forcing the... Night fight rule. No no need to roll for that. Nope. <laughs> uh, he's also got the rule of the King of Terrors. Such as Kerr's aura of preternatural malice and sinister intent, fear tests taken against him are subject to a minus three penalty. In addition, should he be part of an assault where an enemy unit is destroyed outright, all other enemy units subject to fear within 12 inches and within line of sight of the combat must take an immediate morale check or file back. Yeah, minus three to fear makes it work. It's fucking scary. Do what? One more time? I said minus three to fear is pretty fucking scary. It's not good. Then you're especially, in the danger zone. <laughs> yeah, especially with like uh, versus... Militia or some militia. shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, your leadership three. <laughs> Enjoy that. <laughs> I used to, back way back in the day, I used to play uh, what I called the Ooga Booga list. Do you remember? <laughs> Remember the I remember movie this. List? I love this list. It's my favorite list. Uh, I would take a... This was like way back in... It was like 4th uh, edition, I think? 4th or 5th edition. I can't remember. It was back when you started to roll to see who would who would go Death Company on you. Yeah, it was uh, Blood Angels. You take the Death Mask. There was like three different things you could take that would 
had a bubble of minus one leadership and it was like minus three leadership. And then you could do the psychic scream or some shit like that where you make somebody take a, a, a fear. Terrify. Terrify. Just terrify. <laughs> yeah. So I'd jump up with a jump pack and I'd ooga booga like the first turn and be like, boo, boo. And then everybody run off the table. <laughs> like at some stupid. <laughs> well, that was the addition that you couldn't rally. If somebody was in six inches and you could just escort them off the table with a rhino, <laughs> which was the most like, fucking dishonorable death anyone because it's like you could have an 800 point unit that broke because of something like that and then if you couldn't kill that shitty if i point rhino that just followed them slowly as they <laughs> fell back every turn they could never rally you just escort them right off the board especially if you could do that to like two units at the same time with one rhino uh, yeah so it was shitty. i'm glad that that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> Yeah, I'd ooga booga people off the table. And it really, I mean, it's like, it's in, it's a written in rule at this point with that King of Terrors, where if you jump into a, like the biggest militia squad ever and you just fear everybody off the table. I think you only played that once to prove you could do it. And then since then, it was just like in your back pocket. <laughs> I don't want to play the ooga booga list. Uh, so anyway, next up on the list is the Nightmare Mantle. Kurz's Raiment of War was customized artificer suit. Uh, bedecked in grisly trophies of judgment and flayed skins of those whose skin, sins he saw as particularly egregious or noteworthy. It provides a 2-plus armor save and a 4-plus invulnerable save and grants a hit-and-run and hammer wrath special rules whenever he charges, inflicting D3 hammer attacks wrath, <laughs> attacks rather than the usual plus-1 attacks. <laughs> I don't know why I read that. Controversial. Like... <laughs> controversial. Why is it Controversial. Because there's no fucking comma or stoppage in the sentence for hit and run, so it makes it sound like he only has hit and run when he charges. When uh, yeah. because it because it says hit and run, but then hit and, and run is followed up by special hammer of rules whenever he charges. He has those special rules plural whenever he charges. Yeah, but the way hit and run works and the way he is, he should have it all the time. It's kind of a goofy thing because yeah. it's like if you charge him he doesn't get it but if he charges you he gets it or if you like if he if he charges if he charges he make it out if he charges in and then decides not to hit and run because why would you want to hit and run on the turn you charge and then let your opponent immediately shoot your face off um and then counter assault you wouldn't want to do that so you always use hit and run on your opponent's turn but if you charge and then don't use it because you shouldn't then now you can't ever hit and run out. It just seems like a stupid, the way they did it. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, funny thing about this and just like funny side story about fighting curs. Uh, I fought probably my all time favorite opponent, Michael in, uh, in, was it Austin or San Antonio? San Antonio, San Antonio at Dragon's Lair. Uh, his name's Michael Cave. He's like one of the coolest opponents I've ever played in my life. And, Unfortunately, he uh, <laughs> he charged his curs into a Leviathan Dreadnought and got snippy clawed. And this Leviathan Dreadnought beat the piss out of him. He hit and run. And the way he explained it he, was... I think he like, rolled max on his hit and run roll, too. He got like yeah, he, 18 inches. Like straight up, as far as you can hit and run, he was gone. And then you added the plus one, so I think it was like 19 inches. He ran away. And he goes, I just... like The way he described it, he says, I imagine this like a Kathy comic where it's like, ah! <laughs> just running away. And he, well, he should his... do that. Cause he can't hurt a Leviathan. He's only streak six. It's armor 13 on the front. So yeah. Can't so hurt that's, it. Ex- 
It's exactly what he did. So he moves it as far away as it could possibly go. And he goes, I just want to let you know, you'll never see him again. And he had one <laughs> wound left on him. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, Kurtz is gone. <laughs> like, And the entire game, he was like so far away from me. There was absolutely jack shit I could do to kill him. <laughs> like, he was just a one wound Kurtz running around, taunting me, hiding. Oh, it was, it was just so funny. He said, like a Kathy comic, he just runs away. <laughs> so keep it in mind, if if you don't give this guy hit and run all the time, if you just charge him with like even like a fucking 150-point Contemptor Cordis or 135 or whatever the fuck they are, he's tied up in combat for the remainder of the game. Yep. Because he's fearless. Cordis. Yeah, because he's fearless. He can't choose to fall back. Um, and he can't hurt Armor 13, so just stands there and there's no our weapons are useless rule anymore right nothing like that i think there is unless you're fearless because yeah. you have to volunteer fail a morale check yeah so he's just fucked so that is a really good way to tie him up i played in all dreadnought blood angel army well so like that i mean was... here here we play it he has hit and run all the time because he should yeah Another one of those things, new listeners, uh, if you're playing Night Lords, you're going to move into Night Lords, the Night Lords realm, uh, to bring up at the beginning of the game just to make sure that that's how it's played. Uh, just let them know, say, hey, do you play it as he has night, as he has hit and run all the time, or do you play it as not that way? Either way, I'd like to know. I'm just trying to have a good game. So nothing gave me about it either way. Uh, so next thing he's got are the Mercy and Forgiveness, which are his pair of Artificer Lightning Claws. Uh, so those are Strength of User, which is his Strength 6. They're AP2, Melee, Shred, Specialist Weapon, Murder Strike, and they're paired, so they get the plus one attack. So straight up, just normal Lightning Claws that have AP2 and Shred. Well, and, normal Lightning Claws have Shred. These, these have Murderous oh, yeah. Strike. I have Murderous Strike and AP2. So Murderous Strike attacks with a special rule, cause instant death on a roll to wound of a six. Roll any viable saves against this instant death causing wound separately and any other wounds the attack inflicts. And uh, keep in mind, because he's also a Primarch, he has uh, precision strikes as well. So you're just sitting there picking out, you know, just doing all your damage and all that stuff, just murdering people, murder striking people like crazy. So, but that's on a you'd have to get a six and then another six. It's it's a little wild, but good time, especially when you have shred when you're throwing shred around. So, uh, next war gear he's running around with are the Widowmakers, which are his micro serrated throwing blades. Uh, so he's got the special rule Widowmaker volley, which is range twelve, strength four, AP five, assault three, lethal precision. Uh, wielded by Kurz, these weapons inflict precision strikes of 4-up and on a wound of a 6, ignore both armor saves and invulnerable saves, which really suck if you're at Adepticon and you have a Garo and he has one wound left and Kurz decides to throw a knife at him because it will fucking kill him. Learn this, that the hard way. This makes you fucking sweat every time you have like a generic Praetor you've spent like 200 points on and somebody's like, I'm going to throw my Widowmakers at you and you're like, God damn it, you're never so <laughs> like nervous about some die rolls because 1-6... It goes straight through your fucking force field, nails your full room Praetor, and you just pick that motherfucker up. Because it, it ignores <laughs> your armor and it vol. Yep, it definitely sucks. Uh, so, Garo killed Sevatar. Actually, Sevatar killed Garo, and then Garo came back 
killed Sevatar, and then Night Lord jumped in and Wait, fucking threw a knife at Wait, are these instant death? Him. Are they instant death on a roll of a six two? No, no instant no. death. No. Oh, okay. No, just, I, for whatever reason, I thought they were instant death too. But yeah, it just it's still bad. Like he he's really good at like killing shit like apothecaries and stuff. So somebody has a unit with apothecaries attached, and because he's precision, you know, on a four plus to hit, he can pick those guys out. And then if he rolls one six, it's like, hey, it gets through your armor and whatever else. And then all you get to feel no pain. And then if you fail it, you, like, it's it's pretty fucking good. I've seen it do a lot of silly shit, and you're like, god damn it. It's pretty funny. Yeah, Conrad's Curse is sitting there just doing fucking uh, back surgery with his with his precision strike blades, just, like, paralyzing people. Like, just trash, man. He's... It's good at ripping out sergeants out of units, apothecaries out of units, things like that. Yeah, it is 12-inch range, but he is going to do it definitely every time before he's going to charge you. So just expect that. If he's coming in, he's killing your sergeant pretty good portion of the time because he's also bliss skill 6, so <laughs> he ain't missing, that's for sure. Uh, So that's it, man. That's it for special characters. I mean... Conrad Kurz, how would you rank him on the... This guy's one of the better Primarchs in the game, in my opinion. He doesn't give a lot of... The only synergy he really gives to the army is the fear thing, which is actually pretty powerful because it gives your entire army fear for free with a minus one. And then you combine that with his being a minus three. The big thing he gives is uh, Night Fight automatically turn one, which just means Night Lords are basically going to begin the game with a four-up cover save in the open, like, which is extremely good. And then the really scary thing is because he has stealth and shrouded and it confers the thing that I see a lot of people do, at least my buddy, Nick, the one I have to fight against all the time, which is super fucking annoying to deal with is a giant assault Marine squad. Like you can take a 20 man assault Marine squad and then attach like multiple characters and an apothecary to it where it's like 24, 25 people strong, then throw curves in there. And they, the entire thing becomes stealth and shrouded with feel no pain with curs at the front tanking. Oh, God, it's so hard to deal with. I mean, it, it is annoying as shit. It's a two-up cover save on turn one that unless you have ignores cover, it's just two ups. And then feel no pain even when they do get through. And then you can stick curs uh, in front. So even if they do have something with ignores cover, he's got a two-up armor. And the only thing I'm aware of that's ignores cover and AP2 is typhoon. the fucking the Typhon, um, the Storm Blade tank, which is like the Bane Blade with the the, the bigger version of the Typhon gun, and, and the, the militia. Sword. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the yeah. Storm Sword, the <laughs> Typhon. <laughs> That's something else you're talking uh, about, Taco Bell. Dude, that was a ta- that was Taco Bell talk last night. I shit you not. Like, what would be really good <laughs> against this wall? Fucking storm sword. Uh, yeah, and then um, <laughs> the 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 solar auxilla flamethrowing tank the, with the chemical flamer, Malkador furnace. Yeah, that. So the unless you have one of those, upgrade. you're just you're fucking shooting at this unit, and then they're basically just making two up saves. And then when they fail one, they get feel no pain, and you're shooting out a fucking like twenty five man blob that usually has curves with your six wounds, Praetor, which is three wounds, Chaplain, which is two wounds, and a medic, which is one or two wounds. Then you have the twenty assault marine wounds. And the other thing about pairing this guy with the twenty assault marines, 
you can put melt bombs on all those guys, and then that makes that unit like because Kurs can't hurt tanks, you know. And Night Lords are pretty shitty overall on anti-infantry. Like none of their characters and none of their special units or their Primarch can kill armor. So by putting him in a giant blob of assault marines and melt bombs, you can all of a sudden, you know, you're clamping twenty melt bombs on something, and then when you throw the chaplain in there, you're getting rerolls. So it's like I hit with these melt bombs on a three, and then if I and then I get to reroll it, and it gets ugly. So it's just a ridiculous threat bubble. <laughs> like it's like the when when you're looking at units to consider as uh, I get what what do they used to call them uh. Death Stars. Death Stars. Like, that's a powerful, powerful oh, yeah. horse heresy Death uh, it's, Star. It's super, it's it's extremely frustrating and demoralizing. The last time I faced it with Nick, too, I almost choked him in real life, and I shouldn't have. I, my, I got my temper worked up. I mean, I've fought this thing several times, and it's frustrating every time, but I think he made, this is no shit, by the way. You can I can get him on here to confirm it. I think he made, like, 10 of 12 of his first feel no pain saves. Oh, Jesus. So he's making all these two up armors. So I do like, I literally shot at like an entire blood angels army at it. Plus I was allied with Jack Charles Ross with his death guard. We shot all that. We did like 70 or 80 wounds to the unit. And I think curse took a wound and that was it. That's all we did. Jesus. I, uh, I killed a death star like that one time, uh, because they charged my more Dathan rhino. And uh, oh. didn't surround it. Oh, you it. had ignores cover, shredding, flamer, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was the only time that I was like, "Sorry, Kurz, <laughs> this is gonna hurt." But that was, I don't know. But I mean, as cool as it is, I mean, you you pair that against a Typhon. I mean, a Typhon if it gets that center blast on there, and I mean that is like such an epic. Yeah, but the problem is with Kurz at the front. <laughs> you get like five dudes and then he has a four up invol with five up feel no pain. And he just takes all five wounds. It's like, Oh, I suffer one or two wounds. And then I get my, it will not die. Like you're not killing. Cause he uh-huh. just tanks that. So the only way that the way you break this down is you have to have something that's barrage. Um, for one, you hope they don't take a primus Medicaid cause a primus Medicaid can take both artificer armor and a jump pack. If they just stick to the standard apothecary, you can only have one or the other. So if they can only have one or the other, you can shoot like a Scorpus Whirlwind and put the blast directly over the apothecary. And then he only lookout serves on a four up. And if he fails that, it ignores his armor and he doesn't get feel no pain. You can rip that apothecary out of there to get rid of that feel no pain. Then it becomes a lot easier to deal with. But you have to neutralize that apothecary first and then work on the rest of the unit. So you have to use precision shots, a barrage, anything to snipe that guy out of there, or try to outflank the thing with units where you're shooting at a side where Kurz isn't the closest model, you know, to get rid of, to weed out some of the the power armor guys. Because essentially what it is, is it's just a blob of dudes that's basically, it's basically like fighting a 31-wound Kurz that clamps 20 bombs on you at once. That's all that it really is. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Oh man, <laughs> just it's fucking touches. horrifying to deal with. It's it's really like it's not it's not a lot of fun to play against. It's pretty fucking rotten. Do not bring that to Harrison Camp, but do not bring that to the wall. <laughs> <Do not. laughs> 
I guess I should stop building that list then. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure all these Night Lord players just got a small, uh, their pants just got tighter with the idea of this super Death Star that you just described. Um, well, and you're, I mean, that's it's like, because you got to remember too that their rule goes off outnumbering. So like I said, this unit's like 25 man strong and they're bulky. So it's like, yeah, I outnumber my 50 man. This unit counts as 50 guys. So good luck <laughs> not me not getting the bonus for outnumbering you. <laughs> this was the vision I had of Dorn. <laughs> where all the people just stabbing him to death. So that is basically the list I was building towards. But to be fair, that's that's a list that you also released on the podcast that I just decided to steal. Yeah, well, I fight like I said, I fight it all the time. My buddy Nick runs it all the time. It's 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 pretty rotten. That's so bitching. So let's get to these uh, rights of war. So first rights of war they get special to them is the Night Lord unique right of war, Terror Assault, the one Ryan doesn't like. Uh, the effects it gives you, it gives you the cover of darkness rule, which means the force may pose night fighting for the duration of the first game turn. Any mission on a D6 roll of a 2+. plus. Night fighting imposed in this manner carries on to the second game turn on a roll of a 4+, plus, and on the third, oh, no, a roll of a 6 while this special night fighting condition is in effect, all models with Legion of Stardust Night Lord special rule gain plus one initiative and plus one to their run distances. Uh, so they're sneaky boys. Uh, they also get the terror tactics, which means Night Lord terror squads may be taken as compulsory troop choices for a force using this route of war and may be taken as an additional troop choice if desired. Uh, they also have the Claw Assault, which means Tactical Squads, Veteran Tactical Squads, Night Lord Terror Squads may either take Dreadclaw Drop Pods or Legion Drop Pods as dedicated transports so long as their number does not exceed the vehicle's transport capacity and they begin the game held in reserve inside the transport. Uh, so that does remove that issue where you can only take Dreadclaws for your Terror Troop Choices, your Terror Assault Squads. Uh, terror. Well, you can take drop pods now, but yeah, only take, in this particular right of war. Yeah. Not an orbital assault. For your terror squads. Uh, limitations. Attachment using this right of war may take an additional compulsory troop choice. Must take an additional Must. compulsory troop choice in addition to the usually required for in their first organization chart. And also remember that Night Lord's terror squads must be taken as compulsory troop choice. So that means if you take this right of war, so you have to take you're three taking terror squads. three terror squads. Yeah. I feel like that's a bit above average. Yeah. So pop, what do you mean? probably three three terror squads and drop pods if you're doing right. Uh, detachment uses right of war may only take a single heavy support choice as part of their force organization chart. That's a big deal. Detachments using this right of Mike. war. <laughs> I don't know why I'm yawning so much. Detachment using this right of war may only take a single console as part of their HQ choice. So this is what Ryan was talking about earlier. Primus Medicaid is not really a console. Uh, sneak him in there. The controlling player may not take a fortification or other Space Marine Legion ally detachment. Uh, so, I mean, pretty much this list just writes itself. I mean, that's you're taking three terror squads already just by taking this right of war. Uh, because you're limited on your heavy support choice, I mean, there's you're probably taking Get a fire one. raptor, <laughs> yeah, or a charybdis, or a charybdis, yeah. Um, I mean, and you get one console, so you're, I mean, that, that's a lot and you have of to restrictions. And you have to take somebody with Master of the Legion to unlock it to begin with. Yeah, so that means you're either taking Sevatar, a Delegatus, 
a Praetor. Conrad maybe. Praetor, yeah. Uh, the Banner guy. Uh, the Herald. That guy? Herald, yeah. Which is, but he's a support support officer. Right, so you have to take, you have to take, you'd have to take a compulsory something like a chaplain and then take him to unlock the right of war. And that would be all your HQs because that's. But that'd be two consoles. Yeah, a chaplain would be a console. Oh, yeah, you can't. You You could take a Damocles and a Herald. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, a Damocles could be a. Damocles If you really want to take a Centurion and a Herald. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Base base level Centurion. (laughs) Base level Centurion. He's not a console and a Herald. Yeah, that'd be, yeah. <laughs> Who's our warlord? I I just, the Damocles. So this right of war, this right of war has pretty good things it unlocks. It's not like over the top what it unlocks. It's just kind of average. Like it allows you to take terror squads as troops, which then makes them scoring, which is good. But then it's like it's like if your parents were like, "Yeah, you can have that candy before dinner, but you have to eat nine boxes of that candy." That's exactly what this right of war is. It's too much of what you want to do. Like, you really only want one at max two terror squads, and this makes you take three. And then if you want to take advantage of any special Nightlord rules at all, you're going to want to max those units out because you're trying to get the biggest units you can to take advantage of their best rule, which is the plus one to hit, plus one to wound, but that only works if you outnumber. And terror squads are fairly expensive, and they're only dedicated anti-infantry. Remember that. So basically what you end up with is this army that's spams a bunch of anti-troop shit and then can't kill any armor. So like if your opponent even just has, you know, some fucking rhinos and vindicate what, whatever you really, really, really struggle to kill any of that shit. It's really, um, I've seen it a million times. Uh, like I said, my buddy Nick's played night Lord since the beginning. I play against them constantly all the time. And this right of war has always had that issue. It's never really worked that great. Because of it, just ends up you can't kill any armor. Like just because of the restrictions, you just end up with a bunch of shit that's anti-infantry, and it's just too much anti-infantry. Way too much anti-infantry. Yeah, they caught you taking a terror squad and made you smoke the whole pack. <laughs> Pretty much. So it's it's good. This right of war is good in Zone Mortalis once again, and it's good in Centurion. It's it's good in those specialized game types, but it's not very good on an open battlefield um, unless you know what your opponent's playing and you've kind of decided, like, your opponent is like, I want you to be able to play all your terror squads, so I'll, you know, not take these land raiders or not take these dreadnoughts or whatever. This fucking list does not want to see a Leviathan dreadnought. Like... It's like, oh, cool, you have a Leviathan. Well, I can't. I don't have anything that can hurt that. <laughs> You're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, the Leviathan comes into its pod, rips apart the one heavy support choice you have, and then you're stuck with a bunch of fucking Volkite chargers and chainswords trying to tear down a Leviathan. Good luck with that. Yeah. So that's what that Rider War is about. Uh, next one is going to be in book six. It's going to be the War Horror Cult. I'm sorry, the Horror Cult. Or War Horcult, whatever you want to say. It's your army. You you say what you want. Uh, So this is going to allow you to take a Raptor Cult, which means Night Raptor squads may be taken as troop choices in an attachment using this Rod of War. Uh, It also has the effects Beyond Judgment. Any squad may be equipped with Trophies of Judgment, granting the squad the Fear Special Roll. 
at a cask a cost of twenty five points per squad. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. No, thank you. Uh, any infantry squad of ten or more models in attachment may take a Charybdis assault claw as a dedicated transport for two hundred sixty points. That's pretty cool. Two sixty or two oh it's got the old points value. Yeah, that's the old points value. Yeah, they fix it in the they, use, book. they also put this now. in the uh, in the Legion book that has okay. all the standard Space Marine stuff. Okay, so it's in book yeah. six and the Legion book. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fixed in one of those, isn't it? Where it's two thirty five yeah. in the red book. It's, it's fixed. Okay. Yeah. So once again, it suffers from the exact same problems as the last Rite of War. This isn't as restrictive. But you're taking multiple Night Raptor units, which once again can't deal with armor and are still extremely expensive. And the other benefit of the trophies of judgment is laughably bad. Like, you know, there's no fucking way fears were 25 points. It's just here's not. A, here's a limitation that I haven't said yet, but it's something to definitely bring up, especially because Ryan's talking about how poor they are against armor. Uh, models in this attachment using this route of war that have the Night Lord's special rule must always declare a charge if there's an enemy model they can harm in melee within 12 inches in the charge subphase. Uh, so even if they can harm a model on a 6, they can still harm it, which does not do very well for them if you run a uh, run a like a cast of ferrum dreadnought, just a normal like Well, the problem with this is it's like, oh, I have this like tactical I have this five-man tactical support squad with flamers or I have this fucking normal tactical squad. I'll just casually get out and put it here where you're forced to charge it, and then my Leviathan that's standing a little bit further back then tr- countercharges you, and you can't hurt it, and it rips you apart. Yep. It's a uh, this. If you play against an experienced player who can game you, you're not going to have a good time, uh, especially with kind of the limitations you're you're forced to be take, forcing to be. Tooken, taken, Tooken, Tooken, yeah. The, this right of war, the main problem with it is, is Night Raptors aren't very good. This is one of those, if they fix Night Raptors, this right of war would be fine. But since Night Raptors aren't great, and you don't really get a ton of other benefits other than being able to take those as troops, I don't really see... I think you'd be way better served if you're wanting to run a bunch of jump troops to run drop assault vanguard and just load up on normal assault marines. Yeah. So not much to touch base on that. I mean, you really, if you like really like the Night Raptor models, this is the way to go. It's not a great route of war. Night Raptors aren't great. What can you do? I bet at this point you're thinking, but Ryan, uh, what right of war should I take then? <laughs> because every right of war they have isn't great, and they're not good at what they do. And you know, I think I think this army, the best right of war. So a couple of them are extremely good. Um, I've written several lists. So Sacrificial Offering is very fluffy and works really well with this army. Um, Drop Assault Vanguard, I think, is probably the best right of war for this army. Um, Orbital Assault is really good um, for this army. Uh, Those are probably the three main ones. The Jet Bike right of war would be good for this army because all those jet bikes count as three models. So they get all the bonuses in close combat, plus they're shooty, plus they can all have melt bombs to get around the, the anti-tank problem. Um, so that's pretty decent. 
Um, I feel like something like that. Yeah. So the the Sky Hunter Force, the Drop Assault Vanguard, Orbital Assault. What was the other one I said? There was another one I said. Oh, Sacrificial Sacrificial Offering. offering. Yeah. Those are the four that I like for Night Lords that I feel like are all really fluffy and are way better than the normal Rites of War. And and if you still want to take, you know, Night Raptors or Terror Squads, you can take like take any of those Rites of War and you'll still be able to take those units. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not going to keep you from running other things. It just gives you better rules with less restrictions with keeping access to other units that you can splash in to actually give you some anti-tank. 100%, man. I mean, and really, as unfortunate as it is, uh, I mean, you can really run any unit in Night Lords. Um, so, I mean, you can take, uh, you know, Sakaran Venators like everybody else. You can take any any models you see. Uh, but even if you, like, if you feel like, I can't take that, that's not fluffy. Well, what is, like, suborbital strike wings are fluffy. That's really good anti-tank. Uh, yeah. Javelins and normal land speeders are fluffy. That's really good anti-tank. Uh, I feel like Outrider bikes and jet bikes and Assault Marines are all really fluffy. All those things can have melt bombs. That's all good anti-tank. So, I mean, there's plenty of choices, even if you're, like, super stickler for fluff and don't even really want to run any tanks in the army, you can still get plenty of anti-tank in a Night Lord's army. 100%, guys. 100%. Um. <coughs> yeah. I mean, really, at this point, I mean, if... We've written a number of lists, guys, for Night Lords as well. Well, Ryan has, not we. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you want to go to our Facebook page and go look at our, uh, we in the description of our Facebook page, there's a Dropbox link that's going to have all the Night Lords lists. It's going to actually have every list that Ryan's written in there. Uh, there's a number of Night Lords lists. Uh, don't get discouraged. I know uh, after listening to this Legion episode versus like other our other Legion episodes. You know, a lot, I mean, I guess Imperial Fist didn't do so hot either. There's a lot of units in this army that kind of are less spectacular and less than stunning uh, that are special units. But Ryan did touch base on, you know, a lot of the things that really make this army good can be applied towards units that already exist, that everybody gets like assault squads are especially good in this army. Um, well, that's the because... thing. Like they're j- the 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 high points of this army is Kurs their Primarch is one of the best Primarchs. Yep. Um, and their generic Legion special rule of the plus one to hit, plus one to wound is incredibly strong and works with any fucking unit. Anything bulky, anything bigger, like bikes, jet bikes, uh, attack bikes. Uh, yeah assault squads anything like that they just they just get a, mu- a huge bikes, benefit out of it terminators yeah terminators yep, well terminators. anything that moves fast that's going to get into combat real quickly and can take you know any specialist weapons or anything like that that can hurt uh infantry is going to be great in this army uh they just have no benefits against tanks so you're going to have to supply the anti-tank on the back end that's not going to have any special rules for it so you're looking at, like Ryan said, uh, uh, orbital suborbital strike wings, solid answer to tanks. Um, Putting melt bombs on all your guys where they serve as a dual purpose because they're automatically going to be good against infantry. And then if you can throw melt bombs on them, it makes them good against tanks as well. So it makes them that dual threat that you need. Absolutely. And guys, if you like, like I said earlier, if you need a starting point for a list, 
go to our list library, go to that Dropbox link on our Facebook page, Radio Free Fan. And there's plenty of starting points. And I think if you go look at the starting points for the Night Lords, you will probably in a in a year or two, you'll probably find yourself right back at that list uh, if you didn't look at it at the beginning. Because all signs point to Yes, like it'll <laughs> it'll all move you back to that list once you get. Well, and, and some like we said, it. like these these things can obviously be changed in the future to to bring these units more in line um, with some other stuff. These were some of the earlier releases in the game, and since then the points have been adjusted around them for a lot of other units. Like I said, terror squads and night raptors used to not be too bad because they fell more in line with the old points of veterans and the old points of assault marines. But those units have gotten updated before, you know, since then, and it's kind of left these guys behind. 100%. And then their rights of war have never really been uh, great. They're still playable. They're not, I always bring it up every time we talk about a Legion episode because I'm so salty about it, but they're not like Salamander right of war level bad. <laughs> Yeah, especially, I mean, if you really like Night Raptors, if you really want to go, I mean, it's all right. It's all right, Rite of War. You just got to have answers. You got to be a really good player to make those Rites of War work. Yeah, there's just, there's certain legions that it's like, they, if you break down a legion, like what they get different, you got legion special rules, legion war gear, unique special characters, unique units, and Rites of War. There are some legions that maybe only hit on one or two of those from a rule standpoint. But those one or two things are really strong, where the other three aren't very good. And then there are some that all of those are decent, but none of them are like overwhelming. If that makes any sense. So these are one. Of, this is one of those that only hits on it. The Primarch and uh, the the Legion overall Legion special rules. The rest of the shit's not great. But I feel like those two things are still, you know, it it, it makes it where when you play these. Guys, if you know what you're, do- if you play this legion, you know what you're doing. It's not like it, it's not like far behind those other legions. Because if you take advantage of that special rule, you're you're going to be on an equal playing field just because that's so much stronger than a lot of the other things. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know, guys. If you have any questions on Night Lords, or if you have any questions in general about getting started, you know. Uh, don't hesitate to hit us up on our Facebook page. We do respond regularly to our messages on there uh, as well. You can go ahead and shoot us emails. Uh, Michael at warmer30k.com, Ryan at warmer30k.com, Derek at warmer30k.com, and Scott at warmer30k.com. Uh, we will get your emails. And feel free, especially if you're a new player out there, we uh, more than willing to help you out on that one and uh, get you get you moving. Um I had a question. Yeah. So does Conrad Kurz have a jump pack or does he just move like that? He just moves like he that. He just jumps around like a frog. Have you ever seen um, <laughs> Kung Fu Hustle where the guy becomes the bullfrog? That's Conrad Kurz. That's yep. how I imagine him. No jump pack. Just jump infantry. Just hops around like a frog. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's exactly, not. Exactly like a frog. Uh, he's jump infantry somehow and. <laughs> like he refuses to get into rhinos and shit for some reason. He snuck into the design studio and uh, wrote jump in his entry and snuck it back out. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. So yeah. So I don't know. So 
<laughs> Once again, if you have any questions like Derek had, uh, you can hit us up. Uh, we have a voicemail line. Like I said, if you're new to this episode, you're new to listening to us, everything like that, we have a voicemail. We play on normal episodes that will you will hear next episode. So hopefully we captivated you as a listener. And guess what? When episode 93 drops, you're going to have some awesome episode to listen to because we're going to be listening to voicemails using our voicemail line, 209-RFI-30K0. If you want to give us a call if you're an international listener you can record your voicemail normally you can record it onto any application anything if that mp3 file email it to us at michaelwarmer30k.com we will play it live on the air for you if you have any questions anything we'll answer it right there and then with the voicemail being played uh anything else you want to bring up i i did what when you ask about when you said this episode may have seemed negative or whatever towards night lords just to go back to that one last time this like i said i i tried to hit on it and reiterate it several times throughout the episode this is one of the better arguably the best legion for those other modes of gameplay yeah like centurion zone mortalis things like that it, it really strike yeah, th- this this is where this Legion really shines because a lot of those negatives that we talked about on the open battlefield go away um, and it focuses in more on what they're good at, which makes sense fluff-wise. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to be on a Zone Mortalis where like, the lights are flickering and shit and there's a bunch of terror squads running around. Yeah, 100%. Right. I would say, guys, that uh, Centurion mode, especially if you're a new player, you may not have heard of Centurion mode. Uh, but that is the Eye of Horus' uh, special mode that's mostly infantry. Who? Oh, the Who? first heresy. Uh, I don't Some old podcast that used to be around, They, uh, they're, uh, <laughs> it's their mode of gameplay. It's getting extremely popular. Uh, so if you, if you say, I don't know what mode of game that you're talking about. I mean, there's events all over the world that are running Centurion mode right now. And I want to say it's like, only stuff on two legs, right? So anything on two legs, boys. No tanks, nothing like that. Dreadnoughts. And, dreadnoughts. and no. Well, they dreadnoughts. they allow like zero to one bike units, zero to one artillery units, zero to one dreadnought, and no tanks. So it's basically just most of it's infantry. Yep, hundred percent. So you'll be rocking and rolling with your night lords. So definitely good something to consider. And they're rocking solid in Zone Mortalis as well. But anyway, that's all we got for this show, guys. Normally, about this part of the show, we'd be doing lists. Ryan would be going over lists, but we are saving that for next I episode. I got a <laughs> giant fucking stack of them. I thought, hey, we'll do 25. That'll keep them satisfied. Nope. Got like 12 more in the next like four <laughs> or five days. <laughs> it's a flood. They'll never stop. You're like the mailman, dude. You're going to be like, it never stops. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, guys, next episode, we'll cover those voicemails and we'll go over some list. And remember the episode after that, Blood Angels. So if you have Blood Angels questions, start sending them in. Get hype. Get hype, boys. I know there's a ton of Blood Angels players out there that are excited about that episode. Uh if you really enjoyed this podcast and you really want to support us, uh, we do have a Patreon, Radio Free Istvan, our Patreon. That'll get you access to our Radio Free Istvan closed group as well as our Radio Free Istvan Crusader host chat, which is an insane chat that goes 
24-7 all the time, which is just a bunch of people bouncing heresy list ideas off of each other. And But my buddy Nick that I mentioned several times during this podcast, that's a Night Lords expert and also just the best overall general rules person I know. Um, when I have a rules question, that's who I go to. Um, he is in the – I added him to the uh, Crusader host chat. So you can hit Nick up. Um, he's a weird fucking German fella, so they spell his name N-I-K – like a stripper or something. Um, so I'm not real sure. But uh, so if you search for him on there, it's NIK. But uh, super cool dude. And he'll answer, like, if you have Night Lords questions or whatever, if you happen to have access to that, if you are a patron, definitely hit Nick up if you have Night Lords questions or just general rules questions. He's definitely somebody trustworthy. You can pretty much take what he says is going to be right 99.9% of the time. He's very rarely wrong when it comes to a rules thing. That is so bonkers that Ryan has. A sensei that he goes to for rules. I don't even. Hey, easy there. Nick is not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So anyway, guys. <laughs> easy so cowboy. Uh, as well, if you want to support the show, and if you're a new listener or anything like that, and you want to go listen to these books that Ryan's talking about, uh, we do have a uh, sponsorship with Audible. If you go to r5book.com. You can get a free trial started for your Audible, and you can go download any book you want for free for 30 days. Listen to any Night Lord book you want to. Which one would Don't you Don't start with Unremembered Empire. Don't. You so, will never want to listen to another heresy book again. It's dog shit. Or if you like like really bad sea level movies like Troll 2 or Sharknado, like Unremembered Empire is definitely the Sharknado of the 30K uh, novel <laughs> series. So. If you want to, like, fucking, you know, smoke a bowl and eat some shrooms and fucking listen to something that will make you fucking giggle your ass off, definitely do that. But don't take it fucking serious. There's much better books in the heresy line. <laughs> so there you go, guys. <laughs> Just don't download <laughs> Unremembered Empire. <laughs> <laughs> don't waste your free RFI book credit on that. And if you do, you could turn that book in. I mean, you could always turn them in to get your credit back. So I don't know, you know, listen to it. Maybe say, I didn't like it. Return it back. Who knows? I don't know if I could condone that, but anyway, that's going to be it for this episode, guys. Uh, get those questions turned in, share the podcast, let everybody know. Uh, that's going to be it. We'll kick you over some music. Bye. Have a good one. he was born the only things he got from growing up were the will to fight and hatred there was never anyone to love him no one that's why I wanted to save him I thought I could but I was wrong he looked at me like like he'd never known me there was no recognition at all